You are listening to the Uncovered Canvas Podcast, and we'll be right with you. Just get into it. Let's go. Okay, we can start at the beginning. Like my about me, I have my waifu. So we're, what we're doing is, I guess, is like a quick con- a right. context reminder of right, people right, right. who are listening to the episode. We are exploring this week safe for work tags on anime and manga and like other movies and stuff. Mainly anime and manga because we're working off of my kitsu.io list, formerly known as hummingbird.me, which is like a uh, my anime list alternative. I just like the UI way better and they generally have more of a complete available list of things that you can add to your list as opposed to my anime list which although those on my anime list are more up to date and accurate with like credits and stuff like that that's like a better news gathering resource this one's a better library resource in my opinion right. so um we're going over my kitsu profile we'll link it in the show notes under my about me i have my waifu because uh, you can set a waifu and a husbando i just have a waifu and mine's Momo Belia Devilu from the To Love Rue Darkness series specifically. Oh boy. So and you're it's a Momo for guy. a specific... I am. So there's two specific reasons. One, I'm, I have a weakness for short hair, like bob haircuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, she's the only character... Well, I guess she's one of two characters who have that because the main girl who's removed in darkness because it's based yeah. on uh, the author's wife. The whole black bag there's a whole like backstory as to why so much of darkness is different and why the main girl stopped being the main girl it is really it's a really sad story it is a really sad it's a really sad backstory but i really like darkness like out of every other to love room property darkness is my favorite hands down um but I love Momo uh, because, and this is something I was talking about with a friend yesterday. She was showing yeah. me an OVA series from one of her favorite kind of like smut etchy series yeah. um, called uh, Honey Honey Drop. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so she was showing me that and I got so frustrated watching the main character because she would do things um, like stand around and think in the middle of shit happening like you're in the middle of a basketball game somebody hands you a time bomb and it's got 40 seconds on the clock and you just stand there looking at it the whole time thinking about what should i do with this what what uh, 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 and then you got to wait for your boyfriend character to run from the other side of the court take that bitch out of your hands and then throw it over the fence so it can explode in peace like, what the fuck was that? You had 40 seconds. <clears throat> no freak out. No, no, she just grabs it and she stares at it. So oh, this gosh. is like a conversation about active versus inactive characters. Right. right. Uh, this is an ex- uh, for Honey Honey uh, Drop. That is an extreme example of an inactive character. Most inactive characters are not like that. I recently watched uh, Totally Not Mark's uh, review on 
uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and he goes into why he likes Alphonse Elric so much, um, because he is a reactionary character as opposed to an actionary character. Edward is the actionary character. Alphonse is the reactionary character. Reactionary characters or inactive characters typically let things happen to them. Um, so, you know, if you're like, if you go through life as a person, you're like, why does all this drama happen to me? I never do anything wrong. You are a reactionary person. Characters who fulfill that role are reactionary characters where they're just kind of like trying to live a life. And then the world happens like the government collapses and there's total war. And now they have to conscribe into the military. And, you know, these kinds of things where they're not making like decisions. They're just making uh, or they're choosing pathways after a uh, position has been applied to them, right? Uh, Jerry right. from Rick and Morty is a reactionary character. Everybody does shit to Jerry. Jerry never does anything to anybody else, ever. So, uh, a lot of the characters in To Love Rue are reactionary characters, the main character especially, and they have to be because if you give any any of them an outs or modicum of interest in any of the other characters, stuff's gonna happen, which is <laughs> detriment to making the series last as long as possible, right? So yeah. Ritsu, the main character, never actively confesses his feelings. He never goes after the girl he actually wants, uh, either of them. He never makes a decision or anything like this. We were also watching Shuffle yesterday, and oh, this is a character it. flaw. Yes, so... In the first two episodes, they present the main character with this. They're like, hey, you have two options here. The, the princess of the gods and the princess of the devils. Um, everybody is pissed at you for occupying all of these beautiful women's attention that everybody wants and just not doing anything with it. Like, just pick one, pick two. Who gives a shit? Just pick somebody and let the rest of us deal with the, the aftermath, right? right? Like, please. But the longer that you, you hum and ha and not make any decisions, you pretend it doesn't exist or whatever, the more problems you make for everybody else. And to Shuffle's credit, oh uh, the main character reflects on this, like, the ver that very night. And then, like, yeah. over the next 20 episodes, he makes a decision and has to deal with the consequences. It's fantastic. Um they don't do that in Honey Honey Drop. The entire premise of the entire series is about the two characters not talking to each other, not acknowledging feelings, and trying to play up this bullshit act. It's like Kaguya-sama, Love is yeah. War, yeah. where the characters are trying to like outsmart each other on who likes who more, um, but with abuse thrown in, right? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like molestation, uh, almost rape. Nobody actually gets raped, but it's like it's very hardcore. Yeah. Um, for so, uh, the Honey Honey, you mean? <laughs> yeah, for Honey Honey. That's a uh, a uh, shoujo series. So Yeah, um, I was say, none of that's happening in Kaguya, so I'm like, I promise you that. I, I finished the manga. That ain't a... <laughs> they don't go that hard in Kaguya. I promise you that much. <laughs> right. So generally, I don't like reactionary characters unless they have an interesting dynamic to be reactionary to, right? Right. So an example of this would be like Armin Arlet. Uh, from Attack on Titan, who is a reactionary character. Um, he does sometimes become actionary, uh, such as in the case of trying to save Eren from being obliterated by a cannon, or trying to lead the forces of the uh, Survey Corps against Eren in the final seasons and stuff like that. Like he, But 
he he was like thrust into that position. He never wanted to be a leader. He was just like everybody keeps dying around him, and he's like the best option who's left, right? So that's that's very much a reactionary character kind of thing. While Aaron, he's like, I want to be a leader, so he starts a rebellion, right? <laughs> like it's like, oh, that happened. Um, but yeah, so like if they have interesting like obstacles and stuff to go up against, reactionary characters can be really really interesting. Alphonse Elric is another one of these. Momo Del- Devaluk in darkness specifically um and this is motivated by the stuff that happens in the background with the author and his ex-wife um she turns from a reactionary character into an actionary character trying to wrangle six other reactionary characters for a common goal which i absolutely adore yes the harem plan where she wants to preserve the sanctity of their relationship but also make progress because she's like this has gone on for far too long you're being way too indecisive we all know you want all of us and you can have that if you just nut up and be a man and i'm like oh oh my queen like please (laughs) (laughs) like i push the story forward <laughs> like thank you <laughs> oh man i i think this is just a general problem with harems as a whole because the idea you know is uh, it, it's uh it's twofold one the harem needs to go on for the harem needs to get bigger but then it's also you know a lot of popular harems come from shonen jump like um i think an, uh, another one is uh what was it ichigo 100 i think it was uh that one had each girl representing a different direction i think that was like the name quirk um and then at, i don't remember because each shonen jump has usually had a, like a harem series running at any given point i don't know uh what's currently running right now that fills that slot funny enough i actually did check out my manga collection most of my stuff isn't actually from the main magazine shonen jump i do have a lot of shueisha manga but the only thing that i have that's running in jump is uh spy family so funny little like huh I wonder why I haven't, like, we were talking about this early, in an early episode. I'm wondering, why don't, uh, why is it that I, because the whole, um, the whole chapter one thing. Why isn't it that I only, that I have, you know, only, like, one of the manga that I have has an extended chapter one. That's because that's the only one that, you know, that came from Jump itself. Or from Shonen Jump itself, that magazine. Everything else is just shit that I do own from Shueisha. So, uh, fun, funny uh, that I actually got a chance to check that out. But you go from I don't remember what came out after Ichigo 100 or Strawberry 100. I don't remember how they translated it in English. But then Two Love Rue Land. Yeah, it was uh, from... Ichigo 100% in English. Thank you. I don't remember what came out. I don't know if uh, Two Love Rue immediately followed it or if there was another harem series in between. Because you know, it's, uh, I personally haven't read Ichigo 100. I just know that was the harem series for that time. Uh, let me look because I know of the other series that she did, which was called Hatsukoi Limited, which is I right. really like. Uh, very short, not as clever or like iconic as Ichigo 100%. Uh, but I like it for because I just happened to watch it in my formative years. Um, Ichigo 100% Hatsukoi Limited. I think Hatsukoi Limited did come out second, 2009. Yes, it did come out second. So Hatsukoi Limited was the one that followed Ichigo 100%. That one is about three guys, um, three girls all exploring like who are all in middle school exploring the idea of love and the concept of love um from various angles so there's like the really popular girl and then the really ugly guy and then there's the really popular guy and then 
a girl who's got a stalker who's like a you know a yakuza member and like other things and then you get like other high schoolers involved who also have their complicated relationships and generally it's all very grounded but i really like how the characters develop in a realistic way um to come to like each other and they deal with realistic problems in a relationship other than like contrived bullshit things like oh i can't confess my feelings because it'll be embarrassing but i don't want this other girl to have them so i'm gonna do something underhanded and weird and then it goes out of hand and now we're dealing with aliens and technology oh sexy yeah that, yeah <laughs> yeah oh man so uh, let's see during the like, Tula Vru ended because Tula Vru was in the main magazine that was in weekly Shonen Jump, and then that mm-hmm. made way for what was it? I believe Nisekoi take over took over that slot or kind of the filled in that uh, yes. void of like the harem series, like Nisekoi and then Yuna in the Haunted Hot Springs. So, mm-hmm. UQ uh, holder as well. That was, I yeah. think, that was, or was that Jump? No, 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 that was uh, that wasn't Jump, that was uh, that, that was, was Kodansha. Yeah. That was uh, that's right, yeah. So then, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, what was it? We never learn. Also came out during uh, the latter yeah. half. So at one point, Jump had two harem series running at the same time because one had just ended or was going to end. I don't believe that it had three at the same time, but it did have at least two because Yuna and the Haunted Hot Springs had some overlap with We Never Learn and uh, uh, uh Nisekoi, which. Eh. Like all of them had uh, needed to do something different. So I know this episode is about tags we like. I do like. I'm gonna interject and say I do like harem series. They can be too. fun, but there's a lot of background shenanigans going on that really prevents it from achieving its full glory. You know, if I I need to go to H games if I want to actually get the hair, like actually enjoy the harem because a lot of them. Admittedly, you got to pick your. You have to really pick your battles because even in some of the Aroga that you end up playing, a lot of them is you know carbon. You're playing not. It's worse to see the main character do shit, but now you're playing the main character and your options, you know, barely give you anything. And the only thing you really get is okay. So I'm not really getting the harem. I'm picking the girl's route, and the other girls are now just kind of hanging out as we're going through her story. Whereas, you know, in Two Love Rue. Momo is actively trying to move the f- story forward. I know a lot of people don't really like darkness because there are some bits where, oh, hey, now there's plot. Like, not not like, not like haha, the plot joke. It's, no, 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 there's an actual story with, like, um, I right. believe. Now I we're believe, making progress. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, um, like Yami's backstory <laughs> with, uh, well, how do you pronounce it? Like, Tiaru? Tiaru? I can't remember how you pronounce it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like her that backstory was, for me, that was kind of cool. Like I didn't really like her dynamic with Ritsu because it was weird for like a dark skin lolly, dummy mommy. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like that's darkness. just too many. Like yes. Uh, there's there's a bonus part because I have the manga too. So um, uh, it so for the like timeline. So it ends and then the artist goes to draw like a I think what was it a light novel adaptation? I can't remember what the uh. Uh, something Neko Overrun, I think it was. He drew that for a bit, and then I think his assistant asked him if he wanted to come and uh, do Darkness with him. So then that ran monthly. So, you know, you go from a weekly series to technically taking a break because he's doing a light novel adaptation. I don't know uh, where how that release came out. 
and then that ended because he wanted to do darkness with his assistant and now darkness is running so not only do you get may or was it may I, i'm trying to remember uh check with the ponytail or with a like really yeah, long yeah, yeah, break yeah. it was may okay uh that uh, was uh momo and was it nene yeah nene nene <laughs> nene devil luke <laughs> There's a fucking. I'm sorry to. I'm sorry to go on another tangent. No, There's it's a, uh, <laughs> Nana. It's Nana. Momo, it's Nana, Nana, not Nene. Okay. Yeah. It's Lala, Nana, and Momo. Yes. Okay. There's a. I was. And they're like, yeah, that's an alien name, Lala. Yeah. Yeah. Tipsy <laughs> and Poe. Like... Right. <laughs> hey, hey, it's the Teletubbies. No, I don't want to. <laughs> Oh God, there's a stupid tweet that I saw where someone posted like aliens when they invade Earth or whatever, and the whole Earth is blue, but it's just insert country here where the series takes place. Just kind of yeah. showing how ignorant the person is posting that. It's like, oh, hey, guy, I hate to break it to you. That's where the story takes place. You know why aliens are invading that place? Because that's where the story is. Oh, man. Uh, aliens when... Uh, they they invade or uh, aliens in an American series. Oh man, I wonder why they're invading America. It's almost as if an American's writing this about them invading America. Fucking fucking. <laughs> I'm sorry to interject, but I think I've uh, been calling this dude Ritsu the whole time. His name is Rito. Oh, it's it's Ritsu Rito. Oh no, it's no, Yuki it's Rito. Rito. Yeah, Yuki, Yuki Rito. Rito. I completely forgot. I was calling him Ritsu this whole time. Do you think, Hero? Let's be it's frank. It's been are a you, minute. I only care really... about one of the girls that he's into, and kind of the other one with the red hair and like the long braid. I like yeah. her too. She's just listen, good in the dojin, so. Listen, bro. Do you honestly think we're here for him? You got, you yeah, got, right. look, look, look <laughs> me. Look me figuratively in the eyes. Look me figuratively in the eyes. Are we really look here at... for him? Do you really? Th do you think remembering his name is important? I'm pretty sure there's like twelve other girls that we can give a shit about. He's I, was it isn't he himself in his own harem too? Doesn't he get gender bent a couple times? He does, and he is in his own harem because he's like I'm weirdly attracted to this. I, <laughs> it's great. Uh, so uh, the reason why I was laughing at Nene is because I was watching someone review Blue Dragon. It's an old uh, Xbox uh, JRPG. Uh, funny enough, Toriyama did the designs for like most of the for all the characters. They had an so anime it, too. Yeah, they were really pushing Blue Dragon. It like it had an anime, it had a game, it had a lot of merchandise, and it just kind of fell off. It flopped even after, hard. Yeah. So, this was the height of like DBZ popularity at the time. Oh man! So what ends up happening is this dude's you know reviewing it, and the main villain's name is Nene. So. I apologize if, you know, if fucking if anyone in JP is actually bothering to listen to this, if your name is Nene, but every time, you know, you have this super dark menacing villain that comes on and then someone's like, Nene, I think to the fucking VTuber, it's just like fucking coming in like John Cena. It's like, it's Nene. <laughs> like fucking his name it's is Nene. Nene. Yeah, right? Do, 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 do. <laughs> 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 I can't with this. I just can't. So sorry about that. No. So you you have this harem series where sort like I'm in it for the girls, but now darkness is including a lot of storylines and stuff. And eventually, like randomly, you get like an action scene, like Train Hartnet from uh, his original series shows up. 
just straight up here's train and like a trench like a like a tattered up cloak and stuff and i'm thinking oh this is cool we're getting references to his other manga like even when he was doing um i believe it was mayori neko overrun I, I i might be butchering that name but that's the manga he was doing before two love root characters would show up in the background of that manga yeah, he really likes them he also canonically draws doujin of them so some oh, of the really? doujin that's out there yeah he does it under a pen name so if you find something that's in a similar style to the manga uh that's possibly him and it's possibly canon Dude, there's this one series where, um, to, I guess to, we're going to be focused on hair for a bit. Sorry, guys. We're going to get to the rest of the tags later down. There's one doujinshi series where, uh, obviously Momo is going through with the hair implant and stuff. But then when it's finally her turn to get, you know, her own, do uh, like solo comic for herself, I think it was like, what, like eight or nine into it. She's like, I don't know mm -hmm. if I want to continue with the hair implant anymore because, you know, I kind of want to monopolize him. I, I'm, I'm like, my feelings are now, you know, coming in like uh, now like my, i want to hog him because you know i uh, sure i'm down with the harem and everything but you know it'd be nice to have him for for myself and reads and seeing rito not being as reactive is interesting and just neat because he kind of just goes with the flow at that point he's still not much of a character you know he's insert generic you can have you can have a character that's nice kind you know heart of gold all this other stuff but you kind of got to give him a little more you know, some people are like, oh, Superman and Captain America are boring characters. Yeah, no, read more Superman and Captain American comics, dude. You're good. The only understand. harem protagonist that I agree should be a homo, uh, a harem protagonist is Aradagi from, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Monogatari series. Monogatari. I can't with yes. that. Oh my God. I can't with that fucking series so much. I know. I know you don't like it, but I, I like it. And the I reason I think he's a perfect harem protagonist is because he isn't just nice to the girls. <laughs> like, like, oh, he held my back for me once. Or he gave me an umbrella. Now I'm in love with him and I'm part of this harem and I want to vie for his attention. Like, that's stupid. He's but actually Adadaki... saved them multiple times. Like he's solved yes. like changing problems. Like I think the um the, what the snake girl had a curse, and he didn't bother trying to break it. He's just like, okay, I'm just gonna get rid of the curse on you. You know, it's their fault for sending for get, putting this curse on you. So I'm not gonna try and save them. I'm gonna save you. You know, right? And he fucks up a lot. I mean, admittedly, he has done some stupid decisions. Like I still, for the life of me, do not know why he said like why he just said all right yeah sure um i'm gonna save you uh why he saved uh what was it kit like uh, shinobu before she became yeah. shinobu and i'm not gonna pronounce i'm not gonna say that stupid ass long name that every time i think Art about underblade yes oh my god anytime <laughs> i see these characters that have a super long ass name that's a fucking light novel title i just think all right so my oc is randomly gonna be in this scene and just say i'm gonna stop you right there I'm not going to remember any of this. Just, just interject in the story. I'm going to call you that because yes. I'm not going to remember this. And purposely this shot like, Acerola Orion Heart Underblade. That's her name. <laughs> oh my God. Some of the, it, like I can dig some of the like fun English type uh, names that uh, some of these JP creators, you know, give their characters. But then other times it's like, ugh, it's excessive. And then it kind of, it, the series is obviously supernatural, but which is another tag I actually really adore. I like parts of the Monogatari series, except for the part where people are just standing around talking. I like or, the talking. The talking's good. 
There's so much because it's talking. clever. There it's is so much talking, but it's all clever. Look, when you have to choose between Sword Art Online, let's go to the cafe and talk about what just happened in the plot, versus let's talk about philosophy, but also throwing in a couple of pun jokes here. Like, I'm definitely choosing philosophy a hundred percent of the time. In the anime, they made it interesting because uh, I know when. Okay, so uh, one scene they're having this philosophy and yada yada talk, and they're playing at a playground. You know, just to make yes. the scene interesting. Yes, <laughs> as they so, do with the, uh, and they're like doing it in interesting ways because they were on the seesaw. The camera yeah. shifts instead of the characters. Oh, it's yeah. so good. So I will say they make the show entertaining. The books I cannot. I think I got. I think I read through everything that the first season adapted, and then the prequel movies, and I could not with the books. The anime I can kind of vibe with because they at least make it you know somewhat interesting but then i need but that's to find the only the version i've ever consumed was the anime i, I can't I need do the books. to find the blu-ray versions because there are actual scenes that are cut because it's studio shaft and you know most of Shaft's stuff is style over substance yes so that, that funny enough that's actually why you see that head tilt and all this other like wacky stuff that's going on in a lot of their adaptations it's because they need to make up for the fact that they are a smaller team and yeah, stand out more. They need to yeah. Yeah, be identified. It's mainly just the guy, the director, because he's like really obsessed with classic art. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to. But uh, let's go through my list. Yeah. Let's yeah start yeah. talking about Harem. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, we're going. We're going through. I guess <laughs> right, favorite right, right. anime. We could go through favorite manga too, but there's like so many on here, so we'll probably make yeah. it real quick. But favorite anime. Um. Right. Like it's it's always a toss up for me between Fully Cooly the original and like Mob mm-hmm. Psycho 100 is my favorite. But Fully Cooly the original will always have a succinct place in my heart because it's just how amazing it is. Um, I just really like fun. It's really fun. It is. It's super super fun, and it's really hard to kind of like understand in piecemeal. But like if you think about it in an incredibly specific context, which I think is uh, partly like why I me and so many people got like attracted to it in the beginning um for a number of different reasons but mainly we're all around the same age right like 14 year old teenagers right um, which is close to naota's age and it's because we feel about the world how naota feels about the world where uh if you watch the anime he's like all this crazy shit's happening he's fighting with robots jumping out of his head there's aliens involved rock music is involved somehow there's some sort of government plot going on and he's like man this fucking city is boring right <laughs> nothing like, happens <laughs> <laughs> and like everybody around you is like dude there's shit happening all of the time like uh, he was talking about how like, the, the adults got excited when the new factory comes into town and like but he doesn't ask why he doesn't give a shit he's like i'm just bored all the time nothing matters to me except girls like when it comes to girls he's very interested that's the only thing he gives a shit about the entire show long um and it's completely understandable because one, the girls are really wacky. Two, they're super cute most of the time. Um, and it's just like, that's kind of what you're into as a kid, right? You're not worried about your future. You're not worried about your past. You're just worried about the now and in the moment. And if you're bored in the moment, the it's boring, right? Nothing's going right. on. And a lot of it's just because you aren't aware or just don't acknowledge what's going on with you. Um, the whole horn coming out of his head is like a a literature to both getting a boner and getting pimples for puberty um so it's like that whole thing like his body going through changes and stuff like that and dealing with that in weird ways and 
you know, people making fun of him and him trying to grow up because he has this image of what an adult should be like in his head. But as he gets more and more familiar with the adults in his life, he realizes how less and less like adults they are. And he's just overwhelmingly disappointed by that, which I for sure was when I grew up. And I just realized everybody after high school is still a high schooler. Like, that's insane to me. What a play by Hiro Tanaka. This guy's phenomenal. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that kid's got an arm meaner than your stepdad. Oh, what's this? Some wacko in a red shirt has run onto the field. He's running up the 50. Good fake on the ref. He's ripping his shirt off. Holy shit, he just roundhouses the ref. Somebody get this man a contract. He's up to 60. Back down to 40. Now the 30. Like me in a buffet, this man is unstoppable. He's got something written on there. What's that say? Write me at uncoveredcanvaspodcast at gmail.com. Everyone at home, write in and ask this man how he likes his nails in the morning. Look at him go. Oh, he's in for it now. Here comes the fuzz. Could he go all the way? Oh, there goes my hero down at the 80-yard line. They're carrying him off the field now, folks. Before we break, to honor the legend... That was Uncovered Canvas Podcast at gmail.com. But yeah, so I really like that show for a number of different reasons. I don't, I guess that fits into the action genre. Is that slice of life? Technically, <laughs> but I mean, most of the most of the important things that happen are action. But then you can kind yeah. of throw in like a bunch of no. Sorry about that. Give me a sec. I mean, you can kind of technically say like it is an action series because of all that's going on, and it is slice of life. But then it the OVA puts in so much that you could slap in a bunch of tags and technically make an argument for it. I will say I'll I'll yield to slice of life because you know they're going out playing B. Yeah, that's guns. like the primary that's the primary core is now slice of life, right? Yeah, it's a coming With a of bunch age of shit story. thrown on top. Yeah. Yeah, okay, we'll do that. Coming of age story, right? It's also like it's definitely not a harem series because there are like there's a list of eligible bachelorettes in the story, but none of them like Nauta except maybe Nina Mori. Maybe, but she never lets it on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you got to go back and forth. It's like, wait, is it or is it not? Like, you got to... There's a lot of subtext. Uh, there is know... a lot of subtext. I'm pretty sure she has a crush on him for a majority of the series, but after he runs away at the end, she just kind of becomes disinterested. Yeah. I know uh, one little bit that I remember. is because The show does it really well that you can kind of see that there's something special about it. There was, uh, like, the, the scene where he drank, what was it, melon soda or something like that? And it's yeah. like, oh, it's bitter. And then I guess, you know, being able to handle bitter things. It was things, black tea. It was black tea, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to handle bitter things is like a show, you know, shows that you're growing up. And then at the end of the day, yeah, it's an show, adult it's... thing. But like none of the adults in the show like bitter things. That's also like a, an important thing. Like uh, uh, Commander Amarao hates spicy things, right? He's dissecting but... a stupid bun. <laughs> Yes, he's like, he's like, don't you know? Well, now you do. I hate it spicy. And it's because he's supposed to be childish, right? Um, <clears throat> and then, what is it? Uh, Nauta has a hard time dealing with spice because he is a child. Uh, Nina Mori is okay handling spice, but it's definitely a situation where she's covering it up because she has to go to the bathroom immediately after eating it. 
Um, in order to like let it out, she's not agreeing with it as well as she's like putting on. So this is like, oh, this is clearly an exterior that she's putting forth um, in order to seem more mature. Because, but then like even now, to she's like, I think it's fine. It's like, see, yours is milder, light spice. So it's like now just having a hard time dealing with something spicier, but she's like playing it off like, huh, this is no big deal, but she's dealing with less of it. Right. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> like, all right, Nina Mori, put on that brave face if you want. So it's like, it's very much a case of like the Nauta specifically, uh, by extension, Nina Mori are trying to act so much more like adults. Um, their teacher is very much a child. She has a hard time dealing with anything even remotely sexual or uh, scandalous. Um, now to his father is kind of the same way where he's just a horn dog all the time and loves prank playing pranks. What? Um, oh no. Maybe oh, no. We, should, we should we should take care of her so that way she can forget about getting run over. <laughs> it's so funny. The bullshit lies and stuff. Yeah, oh right. my god. Uh, what I meant to say was why does she say the night? So she can figure all the bad things that happen. Things like getting run over. <laughs> so like, <laughs> please don't tell our <laughs> yeah. please don't tell anybody that our uh, you got run over by our baker's motorbike. Right, it's so funny, so good. Uh, fantastic show, fantastic story, fantastic concepts. If you watch it in the context specifically that this is a coming-of-age story about a 14-year-old boy coming to terms that life isn't exactly what it seems and things are just kind of happening and crazy and he's got to make sense of it all eventually, then it like it's way better as an experience, I think. But a mm -hmm. lot of people go into it not knowing what it is because it doesn't do a good job of setting itself up um, other than for the high energy kind of situation, right? It does a really good job of setting up the energy and the intensity and getting you hooked really, really well. Doesn't do a good job of making itself make sense. And so it took me a few watches to finally get it and some analysis videos and stuff like that to see what other people were saying about it to be like, oh, I get it. It's a coming of age story about Naota going through this very turbulent part in his life that I personally went through but my experience was like it was more elongated it didn't happen so quickly right you know that kind of thing so that's a really I, good show um I don't know why I have kill a kill marked as a favorite I must have marked it earlier on I actually don't uh -huh. have that as a favorite so I'm gonna unmark <laughs> that one come on man you're losing your I think wife. I marked it because it's a trigger show and I'm, I was in the mood for a while where I'm like oh trigger is amazing because like I was coming off the high of Gurren Lagann and Painting and Stalking right. and yeah. I went into Kill a Kill and like expected the same thing and I got most of it but it's just like not in this clean of a package and I think yeah. part of that was for a number of reasons they had less restrictions and more um underage staff on board so there was there was a lot more opportunity to drop the ball than they had previously. The OVA so, was all right for uh, Kill a Kill. Yeah, the OVA was all right. They uh, they definitely it was it's a it was a neat watch. I, I'll say it, it's not it's not necessary watching to really enjoy the series, but eh, eh, I can vibe yeah. with it. it. It's a solid. That's the thing though, because you brought up you know needing to. One of these things that kind of bug me for like storytelling is you need to know the context and a lot of extra stuff going in. You know, uh, I didn't, I kind of saw, like, after I watched Cooley Cooley the first time, I knew that there was something kind of special about the show. Like, I picked up on little things, 
like the the soda mm-hmm. thing. I didn't know that that meant bitter. I just knew, okay, so this has to be something important because at the beginning of the show, we have a scene like this. And at the end of the show, we have a scene like this. So it's supposed to like mean something. And I, I watched this when I was, you know, a lot younger. So this is before like the storyteller stuff started coming in. So where I can analyze the show and look for symbolism and metaphors and whatever. So mm-hmm. I knew there was something in the show that had this. I wasn't smart enough to figure it out. Still, still kind of a dumbass to be honest. <laughs> but I knew <laughs> that there's got to be a little extra something. Like it is goofy fun, but there's got to be. But it feels like there's like an like there's a narrative that is trying to tell me. Like there's a lesson to learn. And reading some of these older uh, pulps or some like older stories, you gotta need to know the context behind it or what they're trying to say. Like you gotta play like five D chess. And understand, like, oh, I say this, <laughs> but I really mean this. There's a, um... Yeah, you gotta do that thing that English teachers tell you you have to do with everything when you don't have to do with everything. It's just mainly the overarching things. And by figure out what the author means by the curtain is blue. Oh, I don't know, maybe because he likes blue curtains. There's a scene in Non Non Bury, I believe, where I, I forget, pushed the last bit, where the freaking kid is like, oh, what was the author thinking at this point? He's like, I don't know what the author was thinking. What if, I, what if he was thinking, oh, I got a deadline. I got to write it this way, which a lot of the stuff that I read, like coming from the 30s, is basically that. It's like, oh, why did he write it this way? Because I have a deadline in like two days and I get paid $500 per book. I'm going to write it this way. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's like, <laughs> what is the author was thinking with fucking Arrow Manga Sensei? I'm pretty sure it's just that he likes little girls. I think that's what he was thinking. Like, oh, man. I, wouldn't it be cute if you have this like middle schooler say dick a lot? Like, yeah uh, wouldn't it be so dumb if you know this character just walks up and when she introduces herself she just says chin chin like at the top of her freaking lungs wouldn't, wouldn't that be, it be cool scenario? if this little blonde girl who lives next door and is really successful and has a lot of money also just happens to walk around the house naked all the time i mean t- to be fair hey you want to what I- i'll give her that though you know being comfortable in your own home that's that takes a lot of guts you yes know, even, but we don't have to see that yeah, we don't have to see that. I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> adult males going around in your chonies uh, being comfortable in your own house. Yeah, that's great. Oh, no. You got uh, nothing but the chonies on. Grab a, you know, grab a snack or a drink from the fridge. Sit down. Enjoy the game or whatever. Yeah, you can enjoy your time. But, yeah, no, mind you, she also plays the piano, too. She also plays the yes. piano naked, too. And, like, within full window shot, she gets embarrassed that she sees her. It's like, well, you left the window open. What the fuck is he going to do? Yeah, look? Like, what the fuck do you expect, you exhibitionist? Oh, I got. But, but uh, I don't know. I like Elf Chan. She's really cute in she that is. show. What was it? The editor San that's always wearing the kimono. I think was also a fun character too. That, yeah, that has that. she was a fun character. I didn't like her as much, but she was still fun. But there's yeah, a, yeah um, I agree. There's a book that I'm reading called uh, Flash Fiction. I keep bouncing back and forth between the shit that I'm supposed to read. Sorry, guys. I'm very uh, uh, <laughs> I guess uh schizophrenic ADHD uh, yeah yeah, I got a lot of ADHD when it comes to wanting to stick to the thing that I want to read because there's other stuff that I want to like grab while I'm at it I ended up buying this flash fiction book so flash fiction is tell a story under 1k words and a lot of the stories I don't understand because it's exactly this there needs to be like extra context to understand this story there needs to be i need to understand when the story was written why it was written and how it was written in order to really get the story where you know come on man i'm just trying to sit down and read a book you know like you can you can theoretically 
watch Fully Cooly and not need to, you know, be t- like given subtext and understand, you can figure it out if you keep watching Fully Cooly. Because even as a young child, I knew, okay, something special about this show. There's something about it that is tr- that gets trying to tell me something that there is a message. You know, some series do it very poorly where they flat out tell you it. Like in Naruto, you got Tak no Jutsu. Basically, yes. exposing oh exposing the themes of the story and the and like the most heralded arc. scene in that entire show is Obito versus Kakashi, where there's literally no dialogue, or the entire yeah. Naruto versus Sasuke Final Valley fight the first time, where there's no dialogue. Uh- <laughs> almost almost proves the point that action speaks louder than words, and that a picture. Yes. Yeah, that was literally the words. whole motivation behind those is like because it's coming from like an ancient samurai mythos which is like yeah um if you if two warriors are equal enough in strength they know what each other means by the way that they strike each other and so naruto gets the idea that sasuke is truly he's truly convicted in his goals to go to orochimaru and gain power because of how hard he's trying to kill naruto which just further uh solidifies how hard naruto needs to try in order to bring sasuke back um and like the whole thing that i think was like missed out of that was like sasuke we didn't ever get like a perspective from sasuke of him like having a similar reflection from naruto so you get like the parallel going on it was just all naruto's head and sasuke being desperate um but uh yeah it's like that was the whole philosophy behind those fights is oh, we're so close in strength and equal, and this is like a perfect match, and we lived our entire lives um, in parallel to each other, that now that we're coming to Clash, it's going to have like all of this meaning. And it does, to great effect. Uh, it's fantastic, because Kishimoto does a lot of... Like, when he knows what he's doing, or what he's going for, he does really well with setting it up. The issue yeah. is when he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, so um, that's which is quite often in the series. <laughs> that's okay. We already talked about it before. It's a shonen series, you know. There, hey, this is literally. Oh, why was the writer doing it this way? Because I, it's due in two minutes. That's why. That's literally. Yeah, he gave yeah. people that excuse. So his second series, uh, Samurai Eight. Um, he he made a was it? I think it was a monthly series. Yeah, right? it was a monthly series. Yeah, he made that a monthly series because he wanted to spend more time focusing on the writing, albeit uh, it wasn't as popular. And I think it, beca- partly because he started it so slow. Like, it was a very slow start um, in terms of Our, Samurai Adventure Story. But oh no, we, We're um, talking about Sam- Samurai 8, the, the Tale of Hachimaru, right? Yes. Yep. No, I think that Hachi was for a weekly eight. series. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, that, that's what it meant. Okay. I, 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 no, I, I believe it was a monthly series. I, it's, um, uh, it, it ran in weekly Shonen Jump. I, I oh did I it? do I do okay. yeah it did run in jump for uh for like uh I think it was like like what, nineteen to twenty like twenty nineteen to twenty twenty it had like yeah. um it only had like five volumes it was a short series that's why I thought it was monthly it was very thinking, yeah it got canceled very quickly it was uh no it 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 was a weekly series I do recall now collected Tonka Bond volumes for his media published series shown jump platform started print release. Okay, but he did uh, work with an assistant so he could have more time dedicated yeah. to writing, I guess. Uh, but, like, because he cited specifically he didn't have enough time to work out the writing on Naruto, and that was, like, his biggest regret. Yeah. Was not being able to do that, so. Boruto, I think he, he would have do done really well with um, Samurai 8. I really like On, like, the female protagonist in Samurai mm-hmm. 8. Not necessarily her role of, like, being, like, this support prayer. Like, like her whole entire function was just to pray for the success of the main character. She I wish she had like a little more dynamism to that, but 
Um, like I, it, it's mixed for me, right? Because there's uh-huh. like a historical context to her specific role, but I feel like it was solidified by Masashi Kishimoto not giving her anything additional, right? There's like a base that he was working with, and then he's like, but she doesn't need anything else, which, you know, it's like right. the little bit of Sakura syndrome coming back, where he's like, I don't understand women, but this is the role that they fulfill in society, and this is what I agree with, so I'm going to continue to project that. Um, similar to, like, Obata and Oba, uh, mm-hmm. with their portrayal of women characters, who, which is very much the trophy wife archetype that they like to do where the woman is like fully devoted doesn't talk and looks pretty like you know yeah i mean that this is kind of why you know going back to the why i enjoy the harem series as much uh, yes some of them are very very that where the female cast is very you know basic and only have these traits and don't really do anything much but that's kind of why i enjoy you know stuff like darkness or uh, actually in yuna in the haunted hot springs as well the girls are allowed to kind of spread out a bit and have a bit more character obviously they still need to eventually go back to oh i love the main character but having a bit more to them than just all right uh i'm on a uh i'm on a train ride to that d until mm-hmm. the last chapter and i'm gonna be either one let down because he picked main girl because you know main girl always wins it's either gonna be yuna or the childhood friend or um or you know, it's it's either gonna be poster child girl or childhood friend. It's never gonna be any yeah, of the sides. It's the new girl or childhood friend, generally right. speaking. Like those are the two options. It's never anybody else, um, unless it's the case with Ori Emo and wherein the quote unquote new girl is his sister. But that's just because right. he newly finds her attractive. Yeah. So yeah, we're not just the not to, just just not to harp on it too much. That's what we mean. Obviously, it, it, I enjoy a character. Right, it's nice yes. to bring it back to an early episode. We enjoy fun characters, you know, no matter male, or female, people, so long as they're right? yeah, yeah, people. Base you know, them so on people as... that you know. I like to know that that nice fan servicey moment is gonna come with. Oh, she's gonna have a story arc later. Like in a you in the haunted hot springs, there's a like this ninja girl that I actually really like. So she has an entire arc where she ends up beating like this super powerful oni character by herself. Like it took. It, like it's one of those things where like oh you're not gonna beat me you yada yada this yada yada it's, it takes an entire clan in order just to match me and now you're gonna fight me by yourself and she beats him you know with power love and yada yada and she gets trained with all this other stuff so mm. it was a fun moment and then obviously you have her cousin that's you know super mega basic and doesn't really have much of an arc either but I mean she's still cute so she kind of rounds out the harem obviously I like Yuna the most because she turns out to be a fox girl spoilers for a series that's you know not that old uh, you know not really but you know yeah, no. As soon as I saw that, that's what Yuna was. Yeah, uh, she. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Best girl. Admittedly, I do like the, a couple of other characters a little more, but because my biases override everything, I gotta. Uh, it's a ride or die type thing, you know. It's like, oh, no, sorry, man. She's a fox. I oh, get I, it, what, man. What can I listen? I like you a lot, okay? But fox girl, okay? I know she's the poster girl. I know she's the main girl, okay? But she's also a fox. I'm sorry. Can, can we, we can do this on the download? I have the same weakness. I have the same weakness when it comes to other harem series. Oh, we were talking about God. Ori Emo earlier. Right. Like, I, like, I have certain... Uh, I have mixed feelings about the ending of Ori Emo because I really like uh, Kirino, the, the main really? girl, the sister, 
because she is a outgoing tomboy type character who's aggressive towards the male protagonist and that is just like my cup of tea right very active type character not very yeah active sp- outspoken yeah like uh, like for me like if, if we speak in like dom and sub terms i'm very much a sub male figure so i would like a more dominant woman in my life unfortunately there are not many in the world Right. But, you know, uh, so Kirino is very much a Dom type character without being like bitchy. Right. She's not like too overly aggressive. She doesn't like go so far as to demeaning her brother in like a public situation. She does it all the time at home, but that's because right. they're siblings. Uh, but she doesn't do it in a public setting and often needs to rely on him, which allows him to be more masculine, um, which is really, really cool and attractive. Um, so I really, really like her. Now, the problem comes from the fact that the series is very, very clear. There's like, there's no, we're not clouding this. That We're not going to pretend this isn't a thing. This isn't a situation where they're not quote unquote blood related. They are biological brother and sister, right? And then everybody in the show acknowledges this. There's not there's not a fantasy in this where they're like, oh, that's okay, because we approve and we're weird parents like that. No, the parent, the dad socks the main character. He knocks that dude out because he's like, what the fuck are you doing to your sister? They they try to separate the two of them. Like, it's a whole process. This is how people act in real life, which uh, makes it that right. much more interesting, in my opinion. That they the fact that they're like, yes. In the PSP they did. game, I think, in the Vita. I, I don't remember. It was like a visual novel version of the game because obviously these harem series sometimes get a visual novel. They made them cousins in that. And the only really? plus side. Yeah. So they're cousins in that. So unlike not only are they cousins but he does get her pregnant that's when like the dad equivalent because it's the same design it's just i think he's like uncle like i can't remember what he is in the visual novel game but Mm -hmm. after he gets her pregnant he's like holding her up by the uh like he's holding him up by like the collar and shit like he's like lifted above the ground and he's pissed and you know she's just looking happy she's looking happy in the background you know rubbing her tummy and stuff and then he's like getting this shit pushed in by this guy still in that version but at least (laughs) but like they pushed out and they made him cousins in that in the show and in the books they're like dude this is fucking creepy can you not yes (laughs) so like that's why i have mixed feelings about it because like on the one hand this is a fantastic story with fantastic character and a fantastic dynamic for a harem plot um, with acknowledging from other characters that this is fucked up. Even other characters in the harem who are like, yo, that's kind of fucked up. And they all become disinterested in the main character as a result. Yeah. Uh, minus one. And that's also a complicated situation because like they dated for like a day. She did... But I get it because I know people like Kuroneko. I uh, understand to a fundamental level, level exactly why she ended up the way she did in the series um, as kind of this like pseudo supporter of this character dynamic. It, yeah. It's really it's there is no excuse. There's no justification for it, but it does exist so on the one hand i absolutely commend the series for this because it's it's realistic and grounded in that way 
this is why he's writing the story. This is why in Arrow Manga Sensei, you don't make them co-workers, even though it would have been very easy to do so. He made them family members because that's what he's into. And I'm not saying that he's wrong for it, but I am saying everybody else says he's wrong for it. <laughs> oh man. And I'm like, uh, like, so it's like, it gives you really hard mixed feelings. Cause like, it it's really good, but it represents something that's really bad. It's like listening to "I Believe I Can Fly" by R. Kelly. Like that's the. <laughs> I believe I can fly. And it's like yes, yeah. I get it, but that song is also about molesting a seventeen-year-old. So I just, uh, <laughs> I know. believe I can drop my fly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that's yeah. that's the mixed feeling. One so that's Ori say... emo. <laughs> I say that this is a comedy that these uh, uh, that these two shows share. Not only are they a harem series, kind of, because you have Kuroneko, you have the otaku girl, uh, you have the idol, and then you have the I'm trying to remember like the. I can't remember. I can't remember anyone but Kurino and Kuroneko because it's such a like, yeah. Because there's, there's the girl who looks like uh, Kirino. Uh, yeah, her name yeah. is. Asane or something like that. She's the yeah. Yandere. Yeah. So I can't remember anyone else but those two. So it's difficult for me to like label them a harem. But whenever I look up the series, it does have that tag. So it's awkward to me. But I will say, boom. So not a, so we can definitely say on our list right now we've gotten you know harem. Uh, I can definitely say comedy because a lot of these shows and series tend to inject a lot of comedy like two love rue most of it is like oops i fell haha ha, comedic mm -hmm. moment yeah if you look at my stats my stat breakdown you can see an anime section this used to be way higher it used to be like 60 to 70 percent comedy it's now 50 percent yeah. comedy yeah uh, and then my manga is the same situation where that used to be closer to 68 now it's 53 comedy yeah. um so but yeah we got, like, we got those it, a lot two. of the stuff is comedy yeah so a lot of those times we got those, but the next thing on your list that goes into the more actiony bit with Kyokai no Kanata. Yes, Beyond the Boundary, the first Kyoto Animation action story that they did, um, which is more slice of life than it is action. But like it's Kyoto Animation, so it's it's very much a baby step. Let's try this out kind of situation. Yeah. Um, and they did prove they know how to do action really, really well with this and uh, Maid Dragon, um, but they're just not interested in it for whatever reason. Yeah, they're more. But interested uh, in, yeah, they're more interested in flower symbolism with uh, what was it? I'm trying to remember what that show was. Uh, Violet Evergarden with all the flower symbolism and being a soldier. And yada yada. <laughs> See, for me, I have mixed feelings about the look of Violet Evergarden. I'm about to get into hot topic territory. Oh boy. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> hot take yeah as a uh, violet evergarden i like right it's got very very high production value and it looks very polished some would say too polished um i am one of the people who think that it's over animated um quite mm -hmm. heavily so um because and i think this is partly just because i'm an animator so i take note of these things when i'm watching anime and stuff like right. that but when I watch like certain camera movements in the show where it breaks the third dimension or something doesn't move in the correct way. And it's just like a lot of it, like 
ironic to the title and the, the themes of the show. It feels very doll-like. It looks a uh-huh. lot closer to Toy Story in my eyes than it does to, <laughs> like, Moana, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> and that's just, like, just based on a couple of things. One, it's just, like, the resources available to the animators, like, because they're all incredibly skilled, all yeah. incredibly well-animated and stuff like that, but they have deadlines to work against. They can't work out every kink. Sometimes there's things that get introduced into the pipeline that you can't account for and those things make it to the final production and you smooth them out the best you could but they are imperfections and so when something is more and more polished the more you can see the imperfection it's like a smudge on a mirror situation right everybody's like man look how beautiful that mirror is i'm like but there's so many smudges just all over like people have put their hands on the shit and if the handprints weren't there i'd be perfectly fine or if it was a little rougher so the handprints were harder to notice, that would also be fine. So that's that's how I feel about Violet Evergarden. So is And it's there... mainly women and my baby brother who are like, uh-huh. Violet Evergarden is my favorite anime ever because it's about the meaning of love and it looks really beautiful. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> but you get that from so many other shit. Like... For me, Mob Psycho is the other contender. So there's Fully Cooly, which uh-huh. is the coming of age story, uh, right. which is just like more central to a core abstract feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get why it's not like a lot of people's favorite anime because um, of just how abstract that idea is. It's really hard to get, kind of grasp. Mob Psycho is the other one that for me and so many anime uh, reviewers and stuff like that um, around the world. This was a completely isolated phenomenon where I watched Mob Psycho season two and I was like, wow, I think this is my favorite anime. And then mm-hmm. like I started watching everybody else's reviews on it just to kind of gauge like what are other people's reaction to this? And they all are like, hey, I think this is my favorite anime now. And I haven't said that in over a decade. I'm like, whoa! Mob Psycho is fantastic. That is also another coming-of-age story with some action thrown in. Um, Kind of over the meaning of, like, what it means to be a good person, right? Right. Uh, Which is something that's incredibly important to me because I I had high self-loathing, high anxiety as a child. I wanted to very much, you know, myself... Um, but I was also incredibly determined to become, because I knew people changed. Like, this is something I was aware of as a child. I knew as you got older that you had the potential to change. I could become a person who didn't hate themselves anymore. I could become somebody that I could look up to, essentially. So I put a lot of effort into that. Um, and in trying to become this, yeah, I put a lot of effort into trying to become this, uh... Good person, uh, somebody that I could respect, somebody that I could look up to, and somebody who's like comfortable with themselves. And Ma very much mimics that journey, right? You know, it's it like he has this kind of like idyllic image of himself of someone who's always in control, someone who's always kind, someone who's always responsible, and all this stuff. And then sometimes he fucks up, and he's reminded that he's not that person, and it hurts him to his core. But he doesn't stop trying, and that is like it's absolutely life-changing to me like that's incredible um that kind of motivation and the kind of storytelling um it's like one the author says it's like um it's a it's a big story about a very small step right yeah you know that scene where um you know they're trying to decide between which club he's going to join and then it this the, the entire episode makes it seem like he's going to join the psychic research club and then like the work yeah. like what was it the what, the muscle crew I, the I body the improvement name. club yeah the body improvement club and then it's like well 
the whole episode makes it seem like he's going to try and join that club, but then he realizes, wait, I want to, you know, be it strong. I want to impress the girl in whatever, have a great body. So he joins the freaking body improvement club and then they become, you know, his crew. They're actually really supportive and positive to the guy and everything. They're so good because like, it's not just about improving the body to them. It's about improving the mind as well, which is something that mob reflects himself. And so although his intentions in, in, in joining the body improvement club are disingenuous in where he wants to impress the girl he likes because he knows she likes muscles eventually he learns more about himself from them that he's able to gain confidence in himself and his own abilities uh, as an individual that carry on past season three the ending and carry on past the ending these life lessons and stuff like after all the body improvement people graduate he's continuing it like with yeah, other people yeah. and he gets a bunch of new recruits and he's you know he's like outspoken and he's very leader like he's super cool um and I really, I really admire that. Like, that's awesome to me. Uh, Violet Evergarden, by contrast, is about kind of like the same similar setup, but instead mm-hmm. of learning how to live, be a good person and live a, you know, a fulfilling life, she's just kind of trying to decipher the meaning of love and what her feelings meant uh, to her previous superior and what he, what he meant to her when he told her that he loved her. Um, and like through that, she's like trying to help people by writing letters. And she because she's like a, a military dog situation trained to kill. She doesn't really understand emotions very well, so it's like a lot of her discovering that and eventually getting to the meaning of love. A little bit of slow going, slow progress, and it's more about the side characters than it is about Violet herself. Um, like all the people that she lives vicariously through. Um, and all of those people are genuinely really interesting. And the story is really interesting. And the like the, the setting and stuff is really, really interesting. It's just like, again, it's, I feel like it was where mob is like really rough around the edges and it's allowed to fuck up. And like, that's kind yeah. of like the appeal because it leans into the ideal of uh, juvenile idealism. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Violet Evergarden is doing the same thing, but it's putting a professional lens on it, which distorts it right isn't there a japanese uh term because there's always a japanese term for like a very specific thing but i remember seeing this on tumblr um isn't there uh there's this art where you use gold or like like this gold color thing to repair like cracks and like a vase like of like a yes. pot breaks there's beauty in the imperfections you know and right. that's what makes him unique uh plague another plague of grapes video actually talked about this where he doesn't like modern uh, digital animation because it looks too clean. Whereas, you know, old, uh, what was it? Cell stuff. Like what the, yes, the old cells, you know, you could see, you know, slight differences in like a cuts, like, oops, this one accidentally made the pencil line a little too thick or too long. So you could see like the slight, like even photographing mistakes. Like I was watching golden boy over the weekend. And that was one of the biggest things is like, there were, uh, so many mistakes in like just the, the cell, being like uh-huh. a little off center so like if it's a static shock uh mm-hmm. shot the characters jitter a little bit they move a little bit up or a little <laughs> bit down or something yeah there's a there's a there's a coffee stain in a scene in uh spawn the animated series that the that hbo put uh, out and yeah. you can see that there's a fucking coffee stain when they like finish the episode it's like i wonder what that because when they when you see the episode you're wondering huh i wonder what that is in the corner because the show is very atmospheric and so on and so forth. So if you don't know Spawn, 
you're trying to figure out just what the hell is going on in this damn show. And then you see this little like bit. It's it's in one of the early episodes too. So I'm wondering, oh, it's trying to set an atmosphere and all this other thing. And I'm looking at that little corner. I'm like, I wonder what that's supposed to mean. It turns out, no, that's a coffee stain. That's that's the messing up in the in the cells. Uh, but there's this song that I think kind of uh sums up the because i'm not gonna lie i was also in a very you know it, it happens with age you know we all end up being in this position where we kind of dislike the people we are um there's this like 10 hour i found the 10 hour loop it's like a 15 second song where it's this dude playing the piano it's just i hate myself dun, dun, oh i hate myself dun, dun, oh i hate myself dun, dun. and it sounds so you know that song that's talking about mm, like uh, unaliving yourself, but it's super like peppy and cheery that everyone's dancing to. And, yeah, "Bullet" yep. by Hollywood Undead. No, no, I no, love no. that song. Um, there's that song, but then there's this one Japanese song that everyone's posting that's like super happy. Oh, and exciting. that one! Yeah, 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 yeah. That one. Everyone's like jamming and thinking it's like a su- super good song, and yada. And it's like, no, dude, do you not understand what the fuck they're singing about in this damn song? There's, yeah, what's like uh, was it? It was Ina and um, what's her name? They they covered it. Uh, Ina pref- and uh, yeah. the detective or which one? I'm trying to remember. The the Phoenix. Oh, the Phoenix. Uh, Kiara. Kiara, thank you. Yeah, I like, really I prefer their version the most to be honest. It's called <laughs> Yeah Yeah Yeah, which means no no no. Yeah, so you know you have stuff like that. You. Uh, I'll have to post it because it's a it's a, such a dumb uh, a dumb little tense song. Just, I hate myself. Dun, dun, oh, I hate myself. Dun, dun, oh, I hate myself. Dun, 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 I hate myself. It it's. I would play that in my room, just kind of chilling in my bed, and my ma would walk past and kind of look very, you know, suspiciously into my room, like or not not suspiciously, but look very worried like is he okay i gotta trying to figure out like what can i say to him what can uh because she's trying her damnedest to try and figure out okay something's wrong you wouldn't be looking like that because i didn't look depressed mm-hmm. i just you know i'm just staring in the ceiling and just playing the song in the background just kind of chilling like i'm not <laughs> i'm not i get it though. I'm not like you walk in on that you're like oh <laughs> Like I'm not. The j- lights are off. He's like, <laughs> he's yeah, got the window cracked. <laughs> the only, the only light you see is like the the light coming from my phone playing this song. So, you know, you're, you know, as a parent, I'm trying to think like, like tr- I'm just trying to get into the mindset of how she would feel. It's like, oh, um, really, really trying. Like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? Got to like, she's like, I obviously couldn't even, uh, see what she was doing. You know, she, I can hear her. You know, uh, like kind of uh, stepping back and forth between in the background because i can hear like you know uh, going back and forth trying to think okay uh uh, uh what can i do whatever and then eventually you know she kind of comes in and it's like oh um you know dinner's ready uh you want to like try to cheer me up it's like oh sweet yeah and, like I, I act like like everything is totally fine and that i didn't just listen to the 10 hour loop of this song it's a 10 like it's like 10 to 15 seconds of this and it's just on loop and i've listened to the and i used to listen to that damn thing uh a lot so <laughs> sad moments which is kind of why you know series like this uh really are up beating and really cool you know you got your mob I-, I think mob psycho is the better series that uh you know that he's done one punch man kind of uh outlives its joke by like chapter three and it comes really old and then it also has that really really bad trope that i hate in media where the main character is actually the center of the universe 
Like the whole world is designed around the character. Saitama is mm. fucking god in this world, basically. The hero, the the entire hero association was created because of him. Some of these heroes that became heroes because of him. So much other stuff in the series happened because of Saitama, and I just despise it so much. But when they Mom, did introduce God in, in One Punch Man. He's yeah. supposed to fight him next. Yeah, so it's so like, ah, it's annoying. But then you have stuff like Mob Psycho, and you know he's just trying to you know work himself in this world. He, you know the world doesn't revolve around him. He's just in that world. And it's definitely fun. I gotta rewatch re it again because it's such a fun show. You know, even his mentor, who's really just a con artist, and he's faking the whole thing, but he's kind of because um him and then King kind of have the same thing going on. They fumble into success, basically, right? It. I think no. Uh, Reagan. Reagan is legitimately successful. They even put this to the test. Oh, really? Remember when when they split up? Uh, yeah. In season two, when Mob and Reagan split up. Mob stops going to work for Reagan. Reagan's got to make do without him. He becomes extremely successful. I I don't remember this. When uh, I'm gonna have to rewatch it because I again I was watching this week to week, so you can kind of tell if I'm not binging stuff. Your boy Gene, I can't remember shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was like it's it's like a metaphor for like um broken relationships and broken friendships and stuff. Right. First, Reagan thinks Mob is going to be depressed and eventually come crawling back, but when Mob has like an actual life outside of him, he's shocked by this, and so. Reagan decides to get his own life, and in doing so, he's like, I'm going to go back to how I started this job. And so he starts doing all the things that he did, being sensible about it, only helping people, stuff like that. Um, and uh, becomes really, really successful, so much that he, become, he becomes like a popular modern-age psychic that's invited onto TV. And he gets... Oh, um, so that's how you get gets, that scene where he's in that room full of the other psychics trying to help this kid, and then he ends up basically saying, like, the kid's fine. I don't know why you're locking her up in here. Cause like there's that entire... actually happened before I believe. I was before. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! I I gotta sit down and rewatch the show, man. It's been a <laughs> while. I'm not gonna lie. So I what really happens wanna... is there's there's Jugen, um, who's pissed at Reagan for kneeing him during that conference with all the other psychics. Yeah. Remember, because he did the jumping knee strike to get the possession out of him. Yeah. So that guy comes back and he's on this TV network with him and he's like, you know what? Nobody wants to see an old fogey do this possession on TV. Let's have the new blood do it. But they don't tell him anything about like what's supposed to happen. So Reagan uh -huh. just kind of assumes and goes with the flow like he always does. Um, ends up being the wrong move because the uh, motivation for the psychic was to disprove what was going on. Uh, which is that they brought on an actor so they could prove whether or not he was like actually psychic. And because Reagan went along with this kid's acting, um, he thought, or he, he got outed as like a quote unquote fake psychic. Eventually he got hounded and holding a press conference. And during that press conference, he kind of like reflected on his whole life and what mob means yeah. to him and you know, how, he, why he started doing what he was doing in the first place and stuff like that. And he's like, he just really humbles himself in that moment. Um, and in that he, acknowledges mob and apologizes to him and then uh eventually reagan is absolved and the status quo is uh, status quo is reset because like the main thing they wanted to do is like prove reagan was a fake psychic but nothing he ever did was disingenuous mm. right he legitimately helped people he didn't scam anybody he didn't you know he may have lied about having psychic powers, but it's not illegal to tell a lie like that. Right. right? <laughs> it didn't affect, like, all it is is, like, it's good marketing for him. Right. 
I'm so to, yeah, that's like, it was a whole plot point about him. <laughs> I'm gonna have to bring the pin way back because then I remember fucking. Up. <laughs> I I know earlier in the show I talked about I was like oh you know uh we're gonna uh, I I made a like a uh, a big a bold claim where you know I'm listening to 80 hours worth of content I'm gonna give you the best 10 and then here you know you and I are going on and on and on it's like man I don't think any of these fucking episodes we've had like a good 10 minutes of like what the actual episode is about. <laughs> Oh man, it uh, it it kills it beyond the boundary. You have a this guy who's like immortal, or he's like he regenerates, and then the main girl who's like a moe type has blood powers, so she can make like a sword out of her blood and stuff. And then they fight. Yeah, like, they're like uh, half demons yeah. essentially. Or no, he's a half demon. She's like an ancient demon warrior descendant. Yeah. So you know this. Uh, funny enough, I think Kyoani was trying to like break the whole cutesy moe girl thing because she gets abused a lot during the show just randomly like oh she opens up a closet she's getting like like the shit pushed in by all the things falling on her or all these other like you know tropes that would happen with like the cute girls doing cute things with the over moe type they end up mm -hmm. like going ham on her <laughs> like there's a time where uh i don't know if you guys have seen this uh, gif on tenor and it's gif not jif uh where you see like this girl with like uh with tape on her fingers and someone's holding out a dollar and she's like, gimme, 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 gimme. That that's where that show is from. Or that's what that that little gif is from. Cause she's oh, yeah. like, that was like a huge meme a few years ago. <laughs> she's broke too. So, you know, the the show itself doesn't really do uh a good job of like world building it's more focused on the characters because you're like oh well why do they hunt these monsters why are these like gems that the monsters you know drop important what do they do with them there's other like world building stuff but that's not the point of the show most of it's character stuff and to kind of tie back into what hero had said yeah no kill Annie could do really cool awesome sauce freaking action you know there's this one scene where you have this girl just like casually just walking through and just like swinging this but like uh swinging her staff around and just like going to town and she's just casually walking and just like uh, it's like a uh one man army type deal just going through going through and just swinging out the staff and just beating all these monsters and just going ham so action is definitely something that uh both hero and i really enjoy to really sum up the list again we've gotten harem which is some mm -mm, good stuff but can be really frustrating depending on the characters. If I'm not, but I'm why not. we like it isn't for the reasons you would expect. That's exactly the, you know gonna tie back into the other episode. We have to explain just why you know we enjoy these things. So these coming like we've just explained you know through a long tangent of other stuff why the whole coming of age thing really appeals to both Hero and I. Harem as well, you know, explaining why, you know, get the appeal for all these, you know, it's eye candy, but sometimes you actually get something deeper than that. You actually get a decent character out of them. The action scenes, come on, man. There's this primal instinct within us, at least for me, I should say. I'm not going to speak for you, Hero. There's this primal instinct in us that's just, I want to see some cool, awesome action shit. This escapist fantasy, you know, I, you, there's... Uh, you know, cool action movies that you got, you know, in real life. I've been watching a lot of 80s stuff, too. Uh, actually, <laughs> I've been on a Steven Seagal binge because, you know, I've been uh, checking out his, like, his good movies before he went straight to DVD. You know, like, the movies that were, like, everyone else around the production made the movie good because he made it super shit. So, you know, mm. Above the Law, Under Siege, Executive Decision. These were great movies. Because of other people. Steven Seagal happened to be in them. Even if some of them he had a starring <laughs> role. 
Uh, so there's something cool about, you know, just two people fighting it out. And sometimes if you're really good at a, as, a, as a storyteller, you can make the fight be symbolic. Just like earlier when we were talking about Naruto and Sasuke, you can make the fight mean something. You know, it doesn't have to be just a brawl between two characters, you know, beating the snot out of each other because it looks cool. Sometimes you can add <gasps> symbolism and metaphors, which is cool. But sometimes I just want to see a guy beat the snot out of another one in a super cool fashion. You know, Akito looks cool in like the movies and stuff. But then when you actually practice it, you know, most of the time they get their butts kicked because it's not really. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the whole like uh, martial arts thing. Uh, I watch a lot of M uh, as a young adult i watched a lot of mma fights with my biological father and it's entertaining to watch you know two people fight in the octagon so action to me is actually what drew me to be on the boundaries because a lot of the world building and character stuff i just could not really get into and knowing that this was a kyoani show i was kind of expecting not that and then i stayed for all the action scenes and then I was kind of disappointed where, like, at the end of the show, it's just like this. I didn't like how it ended. And then the movie didn't really, you know, jibe with me either. But those They didn't really do a whole lot. The action scenes, <laughs> man. That's... It's the escapist fantasy of seeing all this cool stuff happen. You know, it's a spectacle for me. You know, tying it back to Mob Psycho as well. Seeing him use all of his psychic powers, especially when he went ham. Like, um, when his brother got his shit pushed in. And then he's like, oh, oh hell yeah. no, bro. I'm going ham. This is Superman turning off his limiter. I'm going to go ham on you now. That was, mm, that go. That was when, oh, man. Th uh, I know like a lot of people like to say, oh, this is when the budget came in. But this is when all the animators are like, let's go ham. Let's, woo, let's go real ham. Like, I'm staying late tonight because I'm animating this. And this is going to go, mm. Gonna... And that's generally what it is. Like, it, like if you're ever in a position to get an anime for your project, uh, you want to make sure that the studio that's taking care of it is fans of your work. Because if they're not, you get something like One Punch Man Season 2. <laughs> and if they are, you get One Punch Man Season 1. <laughs> like, it's, it's a very clear, distinct difference. And, like, part of it's, like, you know, experience and whatnot. So, like, people who made One Punch Man Season 2 were fans of One Punch Man. They just didn't have the skill. But it is just as important for, like, Season 1 where you have people with skill who are fans of your work. So, like, Mushoko Tensei is another example of this where it only got an anime because it happened to have a really rich fan who wanted to make an anime. And then he got to put together a unique studio full of other fans who had unique skills to make this as best as it could get. And it was fantastic for it. And unfortunately, a lot of people missed the point because it resonated a little too well with them. Um, or there's just like some sort of innate distrust or distaste based on <laughs> yeah. something that happened in their family. Talking to people yeah. specifically about like uh, Mushoko Tensei, um, was very eye-opening to me. Like, ha hearing their reasons about why they like or dislike certain aspects of it. Um, because it was all... Every single time that I've talked about a person about this, it's um, the reason that they disliked that particular aspect. Uh, minus one exception, I guess. But I didn't talk to that person. I was watching a review. Um, yeah. Was there was a personal element that they didn't agree with. Like it was something that happened in their life that they didn't anticipate happening 
in the story as a potential and therefore that made them dislike them. Like, for example, a friend of mine had a very abusive father growing up who reacted in similar ways that Rudy's father did when they were angry. Mm-hmm. And so in the times that Rudy's father would try and correct himself, um, they didn't recognize or acknowledge those moments. And so to them, by the end of the series, they hate Rudy's father because he never did anything right and he never tried when that's very much the opposite. He did a lot of things right and he tried really hard. It's just uh, a lot of time we spend away from him. Oh, yeah. uh, And we spend a lot of time away from him. And uh, the time that he fucks up is like years and years apart. Um, But those are the main times that we spend with him. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. it's very much like, oh, he just happened to fuck up. Um, And so when you come into it with like that kind of acknowledgement, we're like, oh, yeah, my father's like this. My father never changed. Therefore, Rudy's father can never change. Therefore, I hate him because I hate my father. That's projecting, right? That's yeah. that's projecting <laughs> your opinion onto a piece of media wherein like your opinion is constructed by outside influences that it could not account for. So you're judging yeah. it generally unfairly it's fair to you but you shouldn't go around and tell everybody else that it sucks just because you don't like it for your own reasons like i'll i'll admit you know if uh it's been a while since i've seen it or if uh you know i'm biased against it like to bring it back a little uh we had a conversation off cam uh, off cam (laughs) off mic (laughs) where i was talking about a certain writer that i I can respect that he's popular and that he's well, you know, he's got the awards and all this other stuff, but I personally don't like overly edgy and nihilistic writing. So, mm. you know, you can give me a scene where it's like, oh, uh, there's 150 people on one boat and there's 125 people on another boat. Which one do you save? All of them. You save all of them. You, you can bullshit me all you want. You save all of them. Oh, you save the one uh, with more people. Okay, well, what happens when that boat happens? You save the one with more people. What happens when the yada, yada, yada? Like, the entire fucking Fate Zero is really put together. I enjoy it. But then when, you know, it tries to talk about heroism and all this other stuff, I can clearly tell that the writer doesn't really get heroism or has a clear vendetta against that ideology. And I will 100% admit as a, you know, warm-blooded American, uh, I take heroism and, you know, this idea of doing the right thing. I was also, you know, to kind of, I, I guess, break the mold a bit. I was raised uh, predominantly in a uh, Christian family. So, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, those Christian values were, you know, given to me. I'm, I'm non-practicing, you know, so I'm, I'm a bad Christian. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I, it's been a bit since I've gone to church. But, you know, those ideas of, being a good person, doing what's right, so on and so forth. That's just instilled on to me. Obviously, I'm a bit of a dick, so, you know, <laughs> it's not going to stop me from being um, some me or, you know, doing some mean-spirited things sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I, I do what I can to try and make up for it. You know, you got to balance out your karmas and stuff, which karma affects you in the next life, not this life. So many people get that wrong. So uh, uh, there's a reason why I say, to match what you were saying here, there's a reason why I call, I said my biological father and not, uh, you know, my pappy or my my dad, my my mate, my uh, my it's old the, man. Only the people who specify biological father, uh, like the, right. the, everybody has the same reason. <laughs> right, right. So I I can understand what people mean, but you know, there's um, you can have biases towards something, but you, at least you got to admit it. You know, you have to at least exclaim yes. I can yield to say this is good. 
I just don't like this part because of uh, why. To bring it back to why we're doing this, you know, and explaining why we like certain things, we need to be able to explain why we don't like certain things. I uh, I believe Gen Urobuchi, who is the writer of you know, Fate Zero, Sayana Uta, and a bunch of other stuff, he has done some non-edgy and nihilistic stuff. Uh, he did Thunderbolt Fantasy, which is actually pretty entertaining. I enjoyed it. Um, he's done Kamen Rider Gaim. I have not watched Kamen Rider Gaim. I know a lot of people praise it a lot. But then a lot of reviews I've seen about Kamen Rider Gaim have also pointed out that some of the best parts about the show were stuff that he did not write. So, you know, I'm getting mixed signals here. You know what I mean? Uh, th there's a reason why he's called the Uro Butcher. So I really don't like uh, overly edgy and nihilistic things. If you're going to be edgy and nihilistic, sure. Uh, but don't try and stuff in all this other uh, things and pretend to be philosophical. You know, if I wanted that, I'd go read anything written by Garth Ennis. You know, I I already have a super edgy and nihilistic writer over here in comic books. I don't need to go over to Ramen Land in the in the land of the rising rice and see. Oh, so you're you're just you know J.P. Garth Ennis, which uh, Garth Ennis has uh, done uh, Preacher, which is a solid series. I will. I don't have mm -hmm. that many. There, there are some stuff, but I enjoy Preacher. Really solid. TV show's pretty good, but you know Seth Rogen's kind of an asshole, so I don't want to support it as much. <laughs> uh, there's also, uh, uh, he did The Authority. And then Mark Miller came over and then kind of scuffed it up. But then he also did The Boys, which if you've watched the show, I promise you it is not worth it to read the comic. Watch the show because the show actually did something with these characters and not just go on and on about how this person clearly dislikes superheroes. But the only reason he keeps getting work is because he writes superhero stuff. So... I dislike it a lot. You know what's something that I do really like a lot, Hero? Mm. Sci-fi and science fiction, which also encompasses cyberpunk, which is the next thing on your list, Akira. <laughs> That's a smooth transition. Totally subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right akira that's that's tough to sail so i like akira for a lot of reasons um it being like one of the it's like the definitive anime movie like when you're like oh you want to watch an anime movie that's the one you go to because it was like it was made in the 80s uh with just like incredible technology and um whatnot i think it bankrupted the studio that was working on it um it yeah. was it extremely high quality. It's it's incredible. It's amazing. Uh, watch it. There's not really a whole lot to say about Akira, right? Because like I feel like it's very straightforward as a plot. It's, it's a one of those biker movies. gang in a futuristic dystopia where psychics get involved and now they got to fight the government. Like it's right. <laughs> it is the most cyberpunk movie before cyberpunk, which ironic, funny enough, uh, the. Uh, the manga for it, like, you know how they say, oh, the manga is better. The funny thing is the manga was still being written, I believe, when it was getting adapted or it wasn't finished yet. Yes, it was. So, so basically, uh, you can get a more expanded version of the movie by reading the manga. You, you'll get a good experience doing both. That's what I did. And I they're both done by the same person, too, because they're yeah. it's directed, written and directed by Katsuhiro Otomo, uh, who went on to do the he did the manga first and then the. I believe they wanted to, you know, I, we'll have to look at this later. I don't remember the exact story of how it got adapted, um, but mm -hmm. I think 
uh, it was that they wanted to make an anime movie, he wasn't satisfied with the people who are coming to the project, so he decided to do it himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that's why you know he he had to meet a specific standard, and that's why he uh, he did that when I think he was in the middle of writing the fifth volume of the manga. Mm-hmm. So that was put on hiatus until you completed that. The movie took like two years to make. I think it bankrupt the studio because of the high frame count. It's like one of the highest frame counts in anime. Um, it's a really good looking movie. Basically, it's fantastic. And this is a case of like where uh, Akira, to take it back to an earlier point, is just as polished as um, Violet as uh, Violet Evergarden, but it doesn't have any of those same kind of like hiccups right any any of the same fingerprints and stuff like that where like everything's drawn on ones but it's extremely consistent the motion is extremely fluid people move in a realistic and natural way there's no glittering there's no uh you know like you when you get ai flickering you know yeah. the fucking anim- stuff that they try to do whenever they try to make ai image generated animation uh you don't get any of that shit uh you get some of it not a lot of it but you do get some of it in Violet Evergarden, and that's partly because it's like a TV show um, with a really high line count, and the designs in Violet Evergarden are significantly more complicated than those in Akira, but... Violet Evergarden didn't have to be that way. (laughs) Like, like there's the caveat there, right? Like, yes, they had a higher... You know, yes, like in the, you know, so like in a video game where you know there's an option to lower the bloom or not, yeah, it's bloom, not gloom. Um, no, funny enough, it is gloom because she kind of acts depressed sometimes. Or the, the, there's a lot of scenes where she looks kind of depressed, but the it's very bright, and you know, I, I feel like I need to get a slider to lower the contrast or lower the bloom on it because I feel like you know the graphic setting on this anime is a little too high. <laughs> you know, there's some scenes that are it's super way bright. too shiny. I'm watching, you know, some of this on like because uh, I use the the dark theme uh, on my laptop, and obviously, if you're gonna watch something, you know, you watch it in the dark because you know you get you get to see the things better. So whenever you're watching that, and there's the, suddenly the scene changes, and it's I'm lighting up my entire living room with this one frame of anime. I'm like, Jesus, I gotta freaking lower the brightness on this damn thing. With uh, with Akira, it kind of it, it's unfair to compare the two because Akira is cyberpunk, so there's gonna be. Uh, there we go. There's well, the no, t- there you can still compare them because Akira has a high amount of compacted technical detail, similar mm-hmm. to Violet Evergarden, but uh, Violet Evergarden's freeform detail is significantly higher. I just so, mean like, the color power in Akira. Really. Oh yeah, because the it, color power. Yeah. That's it's completely two different technologies. There's no way yeah. you can compare them. It is way like you know. There's more darker muted colors because it's cyberpunk versus. Uh, I guess historical fiction. I, I don't really want to try and figure out what the tag not for, necessarily you know, true because there are bright scenes in Akira. The issue uh, comes true. from CMYK cell paint coloring technology plus uh-huh. the photographing at the time. This is prior to RGB before they could use digital coloring. Mm-hmm. Violet Evergarden is exclusively digital coloring, so you get things like true white and true black, which you cannot do in Akira because it's all hand-painted cells. You can only do CMYK colors, which doesn't go to true black or true white. Oh, wow. Nor It doesn't go to true any color, realistically. 
right? You can't get true red. You can't get true, you know, any any true colors because those... And you don't want them because they're fucking neon and really hard to look at, which is what we're talking about. Um, it's like, <laughs> so a, it's, like it's, insert to, cyberpunk music now. <laughs> right, but if you look at, like, uh, I'll send you a frame real quick of the bikes um, going through the city, right, in, the, right. in one of the first shots of the movie. Um, oops, it's not... Uncopy image. There we go. So the bikes in the first shot of the movie, if you typically in a digital coloring situation, if you look at the light, it would be a pure white light with Uh the color of the light being its halo overglow. In this, because they didn't have that kind of technology, what they did was they had a yellow cellophane um, that they shined a light through to get a similar effect. And then they had painted on this additional kind of like um you know this this painted uh light trail is what they had yeah like this sci-fi science fiction type deal but the thing that appeals to me like obviously the we're trying to get the main story across but you know cyberpunk as a whole is very much a thing of the time like cyberpunk is very like i know i was complaining earlier about you needing to know the context behind, you know, the certain story in order to enjoy it more. With Cyberpunk, it is that too because Cyberpunk came out from this uh I'm going to butcher the history behind it, but basically, you know, this is, you know, rebel against the man and, you know, society or not society, but like the government and like corporations and Yeah, everything it was else. a Japanese unrest and um they were they were going through a lot of like turmoil with like protesting and biker gangs and stuff like that at the time and i believe katsuhiro otomo himself was like a biker head he used to yeah. be in a biker gang as a kid uh but they were like a lot more getting a lot more violent now than or in the time like in 80 whatever 89 when this came out or something yeah. like that i believe uh, it was uh, 88 i think because 89 uh 88 89 i believe because it was yeah, like some, r- somewhere in there right but like around that time um sometime before that they were, there was like a lot of like biker gang activity um and this is a lot of the stuff that you get like still even uh a ghost of right where like if anybody sees you even related to a biker gang they get freaked out because they think right. oh this person's going to attack me you know that kind of thing um and it was just like a it was created from civil unrest um where there was a tightening on certain laws of expression um especially with like noise and stuff like that and it was really encroaching into biker culture and this is kind of like the history with like the japanese uh, legislation is like the japanese government will be like we need to preserve the sanctity of tradition by uh, enacting more rules and then the people who are directly affected by those rules are like i don't like that and so they start getting like more and more violent more and more vocal until they just kind of rekin back on their fucking <laughs> their decision they're like let's just control z that real quick that w- we fucked up yeah how bad. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, admittedly this is specifically um like the jp side of things like cyberpunk as a whole did you know it is a genre that came out uh actually from france because this yes. um cyberpunk specifically the look Right, I'm talking the the look and how uh, we see cyberpunk and it the, the a lot of the iconography that we think of came from a uh, comic uh, f- called The Long Tomorrow by Mobius, 
and and then I believe uh, Dan O'Brandon also wrote it. I, I might be mistaken on the writer, but Mobius for sure wrote it. And this was a Bond scene. To call it a graphic novel is like stretching it, but basically. There's iconography from The Long Tomorrow that to this day people still use. Without The Long Tomorrow, there would no there would not be Akira. You know, there wouldn't be this cuz there's a lot of scene there would be no Akira. There wouldn't really be um funny enough, uh there would be no Blade Runner which inspired Ghost in the Shell, which then also took stuff from like almost shot for shot from Blade Runner even though a lot of people like there's the uh people that say like, "Oh, well, you know, uh, the manga of Ghost in the Shell isn't a, you know, Blade Runner, you know, knockoff. But then the movie sure as hell is because there are shot for shot recreations of scenes from Blade Runner in Ghost in the Shell. The the movie, the first one, because uh, then there's mm. also the sequel movie and then there's the standalone complex, which to go back to. And the, then there's the live action movie. <laughs> Yeah, no one talks about the live-action movie. <laughs> Which, funny enough, in the live-action movie, they made it a plot point to justify why they have this Caucasian woman playing a you know a character that's supposed to be Japanese. So it's it, the worst plot point. Yeah. So admittedly, you know, they put it in the movie. It's like, oh, admittedly, it does tie into part of this whole ghost in the shell, uh, this whole ghost in the shell thing because she's losing her identity. Like, you know, in the movie, it wasn't done as well. So I'm very like I am being like very very generous to say this, you know. In the movie, it wasn't done as well, but the idea is not like I'm, you know, uh, Makoto Kusanagi uh, dealing with this. Well, she's a hacker, and you know, she's been in this body most of her life. I believe she's uh, since she was a child, if I recall correctly, right? That she's basically been like yeah. this cyborg. So she's more machine for the majority of her life than human. So this idea now is that even her own nationality is being lost because now she's in this, you know, Caucasian body. It sort of ties into this whole theme that she's dealing with and the fact that she's losing the, like, like this bit of her. Like, yeah, you know, she's still in this human body, but now she's no longer in this Japanese body. She's in this Caucasian woman's body now. So now even her Which heritage... makes it even worse when she goes to visit her own mother, who is a Japanese woman. Like, that's... It's like, insane like, to me. I know. The Listen, amount of I, fucking backflips <laughs> that you have to do. Like, like I said, it didn't... The movie didn't do it the best. And even Scarlett Johansson had admitted uh, in uh, in an interview, she's like, oh, you know, I'm doing my own take because the manga's this. The At least she brought up that there's different versions of it. So she brought up that there was a manga. She brought up there was a movie. And then the sh I think she brought up that there was a show. But she had she did not do the research to play the character. She just, you know, did the script. But she understands, you know, like, uh, pop culture osmosis on who, you know, Matoko Kusanagi is. So, eh... You know, it's borrowing a lot I, of I think it's flimsy for me. I think it's a flimsy argument because I had the same heard the same argument. Um, in, I read an interview for the creators of Velma, the new Velma show. Oh, that's um, not. Oh my god. Oh fuck. If we get into just Balma, just we're to gonna... quickly touch on it as like a connection oh, here. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> the worst take that I had heard out of this whole thing is like we had the opportunity to do scooby-doo and this was a crazy idea and this other person i thought they were going to turn me down but they absolutely loved it blah blah blah. so they're going into how much they love scooby-doo and then they're 
opinion on it is that these characters are not in any way tied to their nationality or race, which is the most shit take I have ever heard in my life because culturally through the entire like the entire livelihood of this half a century old character they have been a very distinct caucasian design now, like, this isn't the same as like changing an art style or how the character is depicted which is like yeah. you know um the the was a pup named scooby-doo where they're all children yeah. or yeah. um mystery you know, like so forth yeah, Mystery Incorporated, where they're more blocky in style and stuff like that, and she has, like, more of an attitude and stuff like that. So, like, those are acceptable character changes because they're rooted in the foundation of the original character, right? Yeah. Um, but instead, not only did they change her character because she's a lot more snarky, she's a lot more of an active character, which historically she's always been more of a reactionary character, Um She's also she, a bit of a dick for no reason too. Like, yeah, for no episodes. reason. I think it's just because they thought it was funny. They thought it was funny, uh, but then like, and on top of that, she has like, I guess like her character in the show isn't tied to her race. She just happens to be black, but it's like such a distinct change from how the character is more historical. I think it's just like a step too far situation, right? And like I'm black, so it's not like I have an issue against that kind of thing. I just think it's yeah. it's really it's as a representative of the black community, I think we should have more black original characters instead of a characters who become black for whatever reason. Like we don't give need to more, steal white people's characters. Like that's what I'm saying. Give me more static shock. <laughs> give me more icon. Give me more John Stewart Green Lantern. Give me more freaking. Yes. Uh, oh my god. Give me more boondocks. I want more boondocks, man. Oh, man. Freaking. <laughs> I really I really hope they let, you know, Aaron do his thing with the new season. Because the re the original reason why, you know, season four came out so rough is because they didn't let him do his thing. And he left. I don't think he even wrote any episodes for season four. So for the reason why there was such a huge gap between different seasons was he was taking his time and writing every episode. That's why every joke. I think the only there's only one episode in season one that I didn't like 100% and that was the uh the kung fu girl who's like who learned the ancient art of like the the death fist or something and granddad was dating this woman and it's like um I'm like eh the episode was okay cuz like every time she'd like oh you know I only know the super secret mega awesome sauce death punch like talking about like it was a martial arts episode and stuff and I I I didn't like it as much as the other episodes but it was still a fun episode but, you know, when you got, you know, Huey and Riley, when you got, you know, Riley saying like, hey, man, cut that gay shit out. Thank you. When like a dude's like a like a uh, middle school boy is like twerking and like shaking his ass in the middle school uh, uh, lunchroom. And, you know, Riley's getting in trouble. It's like, well, it's gay. I'm trying to eat my food. You know, at least he said thank you. You know, <laughs> like there's a. Oh, man. Also, funny enough. Uh she's uh what was it southeast asian she's like a very very specific uh like type of asian because that's the uh same nationality slash race slash whatever the uh writer slash creator of the show is and i remind and then that kind of reminds me i like, guess like that is sensible of them to do to make yeah. them the same race that they're writing which i don't know i kind of i hate typecasting slash uh uh what was it uh not type. I hate uh, casting a writer. You know, I don't need to be, you know, quote unquote, the, the politically correct term. I don't need to be a person of color 
to do those characters you know i can write caucasian like, mm. i'm right mike all right i'm gonna introduce uh, at the end of the episode i'm gonna introduce uh, so i'm writing this character her name is Iket. you know this is the short story i'm trying to write it's a mad scientist demon fantasy mad scientist you know so imagine being in like D D, and you have a chemical thrower okay I, I personally don't like guns as much in fantasy settings. Like, in a lot of isekais, you know, the main character kind of bullshits and just, in, like, brings guns into a fantasy setting. So you got, like... Uh, my favorite example is, um, I think, something Dungeon Builder. And this dude's reincarnated, and he gets, like, a little fox girl uh, companion. And the first thing he does is gives her, like, a shotgun. Or, like, an AK-47. And he's like, all right, go fight those minions. And you see this little cute, adorable <laughs> fox girl running around with, like, an AK, just like... Doo -doo 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 -doo. And then later... He, um, uh, he, like, makes a dwarf, but she looks like an elf, not a dwarf, but, you know, d d Japanese comics and whatever. So, you know, the dwarf slash elf uh, starts making more guns. So now you have this, you know, giant army of skeletons just wielding, like, AK-47s and stuff. I'm like, eh. I, I want to make it more, like, obviously, you know, demon and fantasy setting, yada, yada, mad scientist. It, it's specifically eugenics, medicine, and she's also a chemist. So those three I'm sticking with. That's it. So she uses a chemical thrower as her main weapon, you know. So if uh, some people have, when they're riding dragons, let's say, in a lot of fantasy settings, they're not breathing fire. They have two sacks in their um, throat that have two different chemicals, and they spray the chemical. And when the chemicals, you know, uh, connect, they react, creating like a napalm type thing. So this fire breath the dragons are, you know, like spewing out – it's not really fire, it's a chemical reaction. Something okay, so it I can make it work, you know? So I don't need to be a demon in order to write demon characters. I don't need to be, you know, cracker ass Caucasian to write some white peeps. You know what I mean? I don't need to oh my god. To you don't need to be the thing you uh are writing to write them. Which kind of bugged me. Yeah. So uh to bring it back, the live action ghost in the show. I was playing devil's advocate hero. I understand it wasn't done well. And I honestly prefer, you know, stand, <laughs> I prefer standalone complex more to second gig, but you know, both are two very well animated series, which we're never going to get again. Like it's insane. How much level of detail went into those? Like that's a TV anime. That wasn't an OVA. That was a TV anime. And we're getting so many cool details in that show. Science fiction is at its core, exploring ideas and concepts in a future setting with humanity. So Ghost in the Shell is exploring, you know, a lot of cybernetics and uh, people in these bodies. And the entire show is exploring that. Motoko Kusanagi is, you know, literally exploring this idea of being a ghost in a shell because she's basically just a brain in that robot the whole time. So mm -hmm. her, her the only essence whatever. of her being her soul. Yeah. And, uh, oh, funny enough, in the uh, original movie, the Ghost in the Shell movie, they say, like, oh, Matoko, you're, uh, something's up in uh, your uh, systems or whatever. And she jokes, oh, I guess my period's starting then. Which is supposed to be, yeah. you know, her still be... She's still making jokes as if she's human. She's still attached to her human side, even though she knows she's a robot. And obviously, you know, it's probably like a, a loose wire or something in the body. But she's like, oh, haha, it's the time of the month. That's why, you know, there's a slight anomaly in me. Which is, to tie it back, why we enjoy these... Uh, I enjoy science fiction a lot and exploring a lot of these ideas is neat because it's cool in Akira to, I mean, yeah, no, the 
famous bike slide scene. We're never getting away from that. I love that scene. That is cool. That scene <laughs> where you just see him like like the bikes just sliding with the leg out and he's stopping. That's never going to not be iconic. That's going to be a cultural there, touchstone. There are compilations on YouTube that you can find that is just people paying homage to that. You know, and, and it's still ever growing. Like in Jordan, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jordan Peele's uh, Nope, his horror uh, movie with the alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he has yeah. an Oculus light in that. Oh man, that's great! Like it's you're never gonna get away from it. It's like that generic anime pose with the swordsman, and they have the sword like out, at, like or like the sword is low, but the camera's also low, so you get like predominantly the main shot of the sword, and. Um, it, it, there's a what was it project x zone basically did a fucking kind of a parody of it where you have all these swords like sword characters doing the same pose and they're lined up so it's kind of <laughs> it's somewhat like a parody because this iconic pose that they use now you have like 30 plus swords people that have used this pose are now lined up together and it's almost a parody at that point it's great one of my uh one of my favorite amvs is called animography they do it uh -huh. every year where they take, they make an AMV out of every anime that year, match mm -hmm. cutting. Uh, it's usually three to four moods. I think they have like a, a an action one, a comedy one, a and a romance one. Those are like the three kind of like moods that they have throughout the, these like five ten minute AMVs. And uh, what's really really cool about them is they not only do they take from every single show of that year. So like in 2022, they'd have every show from 2022. They match cut throughout the entire AMV. That means mm -hmm. every single anime that comes out every year has a matching cut to another anime that's coming out that same year. Oh man, that's crazy. It's super enjoyable, you know? That's, oh man. I'm getting excited just thinking about this, you know? Uh, it's not, uh, I'm scrolling through your listing. I'm not seeing any that I can really naturally slide this in, but I do, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to yield to this. I am a major fan of fantasy. And because, you know, for some reason you can't get anything else, an extension is isekai, you know? So fantasy series I am also gonna interject and say that's I'm gonna add that on my list. I don't know if that's also something that you would uh, include on your list, hero. That yes. you could say that. You I think I have enjoy. some favorite fantasies here. Um, yeah, I, I, let me see what I have on my list. I have No Game, No Life. Just to quickly name off a couple. Uh, uh, Legend of Korra, which is on there. Which uh, book three specifically? I have that's yeah. a favorite. Um, let's see here. I have. Uh, the Little Witch Academia is pretty yeah, good. Both, uh, both specifically, the the, you know, the Mirai movie that came out in 2013. Yeah, um, fun. What else do I have on here? Uh, Eden in the East, bro. That's not a fantasy, but it's so good. It's a fun series. Absolutely I didn't good. understand a lot of it, and that left me, you know, asking a lot of questions. But it was an enjoyable watch. You should rewatch it. I think you'd understand it better now. That twist at the end. Where, you know, he lost his memories again. Just kind of, huh? And then the entire game they were playing. Like, I hate that when that's used so much, right? I, like, just, I, I don't know. There's something super dissatisfying about me every time somebody erases erases their memory and then they're like absolved of everything that happened prior to that. Right. 
where I'd rather, you know, have a character have to deal with the consequences of like, it. It's super unfair. You know, it's a very simple. Which is how the series starts. The series starts that way with him having erased his memory and consistently dealing with the consequences of him having erased his memory. Now, how easily he navigates his own life afterwards is kind of wild to me. But, you know, whatever. It's I still to I have to rewatch it again because I don't understand what the point was him kidnapping all those people, putting them on the boat, and then just bringing them back. It, uh, it was to remove them from the public eye because uh, one, they were in missile strike locations um, during the course of the movie, where uh, I think it was uh, Celsius Eleven or something like that. He was um, sending missiles into Japan. Um, in order to take out high populations of NEAT so that he could reconstruct the, the government um, and education system to make like a better future for Japan. Um, and then, so number nine, who's the main character, he removed all of those NEATs um, to remove them from the target locations primarily, but also remove them from the public eye in terms of like this game that's going on between all 12 of them. Um, uh, so that... Essentially what he did is he just sent them to Dubai for like two months or something. And then they were set to route back automatically, which they do at the end of the series. They come back um, and then he's got to still dismantle um, the missiles in his own way somehow, which I think he ends up hiring the Japanese SDF in order to uh, deploy fighter jets to take out the missiles in a really cool scene. Like it's fucking sick as he's like, has his phone up to his ear and he points as a, as a missile is like coming straight at him. And then he's like, bang and fighter jet just flies past and takes out the missile. It's crazy. Oh, it's so good. But, uh, yeah, man. yeah it was, it, that was mainly it. But yeah, I think if you watched it now, you would get a bit more context. You'd be, uh, available to pay more attention to more of the subtler details because you're familiar with it already. Um, I remember they kept saying Johnny to represent Eugene Sheen. Like in the English, yes. I watched the English dub, so they kept saying, "Oh, have you never really like been excited from a Johnny?" And like, <laughs> fuck it. All yes. the, at one point, they're like, "Excuse me, sir. There was a naked man going around here. I'm gonna have to see your Johnson." And he's like, "All right, sure." And takes off his pants, and he's like, "Hmm. Well, all right. Yeah, you're not him. Okay." The fucking female cop <laughs> yeah. just walked. Female cop just that was out so naked. good. <laughs> and he was <laughs> like. like Thank God it wasn't cold in there. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Uh, I, w- I would have been caught immediately. Dr. Chub. One little oh, detail I gosh. didn't like was how like the, there was like a like a square on their, no- for, on their nose for a lot of the character designs. It was really awkward to me seeing. I, I don't know why it was on there a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, the the shadow or whatever the bridge. Yeah, shadow I don't know that they what have. that yeah, was for. Uh, I could appreciate it, but it, it yeah, was it's just awkward. a weird design choice. But like, I get it, okay? Because like, yeah. uh, there was that one, uh, and then Soul Eater having the uh, you know the the pig nose the, thing that they have in Soul Eater, yeah, which inspired my current style of drawing nose uh, noses the way I do, which is uh, a combination least, of the two. <laughs> at least it's not a Horikoshi snout. I see so many guys, you know just replicating Hirokoshi snout. And I'm like, oh, you, you got so many other freaking, uh, you only does it in a very specific moment, but you're doing the Horikoshi snout for every shot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's rough. But, uh, Isekai, unfortunately, has become a parasite on the fantasy tag. So you can't not get Isekai with a lot of fantasy stuff now. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of fantasy stuff that I used to watch was great. You know, you got Slayers, as one, I really enjoyed that as a kid because uh, a friend of mine actually had the VHS tapes 
of the dub. So the first episode we actually watched was the cast, like I think it was an OVA, and it was them like eating squid and fish food and stuff. Like it was a super chill OVA. And I'm thinking, you know what this fantasy stuff is cool. And you know, like elves, uh, you got record of Lotus War. You still got that very nice, you know, dark elf chick that I just can't remember the name of. But oh my god, I'm having a lot of artwork of her recently now because uh, <clears throat> uh, your boy's a little biased. Uh, sneak peek for uh, 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 sneak peek for uh, next week. Dark skinned female is the tag that's on my list. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, fantasy is definitely cool. You know, like the the sword and sorcery type deal. You know, being back in the Middle Ages sucks, but you know. An escapist fantasy in the Middle Ages, specifically European fantasy, you know what I mean? Because even a lot of the JP stuff tends to go to, like, European fantasy, like, stuff in Yeah, Europe. like, medieval town. It's because that's what, like, the original Final Fantasy was. Yeah, and I'm you thinking, know? there's a funny bit that I remember writing, because um, it was in high school, there was a scene where it's like, okay, so uh, this uh, traitor is trying to, like, poison someone. But then he thinks someone's onto him and they're eating and he's about to eat. They're about to pull the poison. But then the, the dumbass of the group is like, wait a minute, something's wrong here. And he thinks he got caught. But I was like, why are we using chopsticks in a European fantasy setting? <laughs> just, completely breaking, just completely breaking the fourth wall. I was like, wait a minute. This is a European fantasy. Why are we using Japanese stuff? In, why, are we using, why are we having Japanese cultures and all this other stuff in a European fantasy? I don't even know what a Japan is. <laughs> so, Because uh, it would be so cool to actually see, you know, stuff in like the, what was it, Edo period and all that other like old, like, see, like having a Japan, specifically a Japanese fantasy series would be cool. I just got to find more of them because there are there are yeah, some Demon of them. Slayer. Demon Slayer right now is like the only current modern one because uh, I think it takes place in like the Taisho period or something like that, which mm -hmm. is really unique and interesting because you always get people like from the Edo period or post Taisho period or mm -hmm. like pre-development and post-development, but not mid-development. So that's like really interesting to see like how the world is changing uh, with getting all these electric lights and automobiles and stuff like that, yeah. you know, like the, the early 20s, 1910s and stuff like that. Over in Japan, it's really, really cool. Another part of the escapist fantasy is being in that time period. You know, that's what, uh, what's really appealing, seeing all this cool stuff. You know, oh, this is how they did things back then. It's like, oh, how do we solve a problem? Well... Uh, we need to concert, uh, you know, we need to talk to the elders because they probably had to deal with it back in their time and they know what's up. So they, you know, a lot of oral traditions and a lot of wisdom being passed down from generation to generation, you know, not everyone can read and write. So, you know, only the, like the high class pinky pointing, uh, high society types with nobles and yada, yada, know how to read and write. The only, right, cause uh, they have enough time to learn. Yeah. And they have the money to learn, you know, they have the, uh, they have the privilege of not needing to farm all day and all night in order to just live. You know, they get to eat the thing that you spent all day and all night, or excuse me, all day and all night farming to live. <laughs> uh, it, it did get, does get kind of annoying when you got the whole, oh, I'm a noble, you're a peasant thing, so on and so forth. Like, guys, come on, it's, you can maybe change it up a bit. But overall, I do enjoy fantasy as well on that list. Unfortunately, Isekai is now slapped onto it because, you know, if I'm going to read anything fantasy, it's going to be an Isekai, unfortunately. Just that's what ends up happening. So I guess I got to turn to a lot more. Uh, uh, the, I got to turn to the American side more, which funny enough. Well, my favorite fantasy right now is Made in Abyss. 
that's my favorite true like actual fantasy um it's an I eldritch ha- fantasy series i definitely have, have you not it seen it again. i have i've seen oh. the show i've seen the show Okay. I saw the, I believe at ASIN, I can't remember which year, but they debuted, I don't think they debuted the movie, but I think they got the rights to like show the movie uh, there. Oh. So that's when, that's when I saw the movie and I'm thinking, damn, this is really cool. And then I find out that it's actually like kind of sort of filler, but it's used to bridge the gap between, oh, excuse me, season one and season two. It's not, it's not filler. Yeah. I it's to bridge this you know these two seasons together which usually is jarring yeah because unless it like directly starts minute one after season one ends or oh there's a little bit of time in between you know the two seasons or something because a lot of times some of these shows that have like season breaks the for the last episode of season one and the first episode of season two they really gotta like mix them well together or else you know someone binging it might feel like slightly off so it's nice that the movie is able to bridge the two together and it was a fun movie i definitely enjoy it yeah i think what it was is just because the in the manga the arc that the movie is based on was shorter than other arcs um just because it's a lot more dynamic it's a lot more fast paced Mm -hmm. and uh where they left off it just kind of left a perfect opportunity for them to do a movie so i think it was more convenience more than anything because if they could have squished it into season two they would have but it like you said it would have been way too jarring it would have been they would have had a cutoff in the middle of where season two was at they would not have ended well so they did the movie plus the movie came out like six years later or something like that um because i believe the original came out in 2014 um one anime of the year that year which was the first Crunchyroll awards and then six years later 2020 the movie came out and they were kind of i think partially rebuilding hype for the series and also gauging interest um so they had the budget and stuff like that to make the movie promote the movie and get all merchandise and stuff like that for post movie to justify whether or not they would make a season two which they did in 2022 uh and then they immediately after that announced a season three uh, which uh i believe is coming out in i want to say this year or next year mm-hmm. i'd have there's to check any chart there's some there's some fucked up scenes in that uh manga and i'm not talking about like the kid being like tied up or the scene when she's i hate it when people reference that shit it's not even bad bro but they're like i wouldn't even talk about this unless it was serious it's not serious okay there are people that are like it is sus it is sus but it's never used sexually that's the important part like you know you have people that have other people tied to their backs where you know they're, they're they're basically sacrifices to be used to deal with like the what atmosphere the curse because the deeper you go the worse the effects of the abyss are so you have these people that are literally using other people as you know like uh as a scapegoat it's like here bruh take this uh debuff for me as we go deeper you have an entire like factory being made of these people like guys, they're not a, not just people. They are orphan children from like a Russia alternative like world. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, so... imagine taking Russian, imagine taking Ukrainian orphans post war, uh, and then fuck. throwing them into a volcano so that you can just kind of take a look around and then maybe leave. Yeah. So <laughs> guys, I think there are way more fucked up things in that series that you know deserve your attention <laughs> than some bits that are admittedly sus and uh the humor is give or take 
So it is what it is. You know, there are other things in this damn comic that are pretty. But dark, it is a beautiful show. The world building is absolutely incredible. The art is absolutely breathtaking. It's well worth the watch. My favorite fantasy. Absolutely. That's I, that's you. You heard it from me. Right. <laughs> Currently, I think my favorite fantasy series right now that I'm reading that is actual pure fantasy is actually How to Love Your Elf Bride. Um, it's I'm still going through the fifth book. I started it. I read the prologue. I'm like, oh, damn, this is cool. And then it cuts to like the other cast members, because that's the only problem that I have with the show. The series is it's trying to be, you know, cutesy, lovey dovey. Uh, bonding time, and then there's the plot that's going on in the background. Like, oh yeah, no, by the way, uh, this character is like dying and being hunted down by, you know, like a homunculus or, or a chimera, and she's fighting for her life. Let's just cut back to, oh, you know, uh, oh dear, uh, I need to figure out what I'm going to get my, uh, I need to figure out what I'm going to get my lover as a, uh, as a gift for his birthday. Oh, shucks. And then it cuts back to like, more like do or die moments it's like dude fucking what um it, it's very cutesy but then when the plot has to happen and you know the story moves forward i'm like i don't know i kind of like the more cutesy stuff but then you kind of need the plot to move forward for the more interesting stuff to happen so I, i'm torn between the tone between the series but it's i still enjoy it it's definitely a cute series it's getting it's giving me exactly what i want i'm not expecting much out of it i was spoiled uh, on a certain thing that happens later in the mo- in the in the books, which I fucking hate again. Where it turns out the main character isn't just some random Joe schmo. You know, it's oh no, uh, his parents turn out to be very powerful. That's why he's also very powerful. You know, in Naruto, the whole point is uh, you know, oh you have to be able to overcome, you know, hard work and determination to overcome everything, except the only time that ever happened and the only character that actually proves that point is Rock Lee. Every other character uh, basically got their way because of nepotism. Naruto became Hokage because of nepotism. Just let that sink in. It wasn't because he worked hard. They literally gave him the role. The only character that became Hokage because they actually earned it was Kakashi in the entire series. And then he left the role so that way Naruto can be Hokage. But after they literally shoved him in a room and said, you need to be able to read, you need to read this, 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 and this. We're, you're not leaving this room until you're actually, you know, smart enough to become Okage. And then he becomes Okage. Like, his dad was a Hokage. Every, you could trace the lineage to Naruto being Hokage. And it's so weird. Uh, Minato was one. Min, um... I've not, I don't believe it was Minato that was related. I believe his wife was related to the other Hokages. And then... No, so, his wife belonged to a uh, rival clan that eventually became defunct because they were all wiped out. Uh, uh-huh. Because they, I, they had, like, sealing jutsu prowess, um, and they were, like, sought after because they were the core keepers of the Jinchuriki. And then when war broke out, they moved... Um, Kuina, which is Naruto's mother and the host Jinchuriki to the Nine-Tailed Fox, over to the village in the Leaves mm-hmm. for safekeeping and protection, and she was under the direct watch of the fourth Hokage, who eventually fell in love with her, and then they got married and had Naruto. Um, and then, I don't remember why, I think, um, what's his name? Uh, Obi. 
Madara. I think Madara ended up breaking the seal that was on Kuina, which released the nine-tailed fox. And then uh, Minato uh, tried fighting it for a while before the, both of them decided that they needed to use Kuina's sealing ability and putting it into half of it into Naruto and then the other half into Minato and then uh, both of them dying. Or you know how yeah, they both the parents. You know how they say you got to have a plan for when you're doing stuff? The more these shonen series go on, the less they make sense because, you know, why would you treat the kid that um, has this thing in him as badly as the village did? You do realize, you know, you can get like a bright burn situation. You could get an evil Superman situation where, you know, maybe you shouldn't treat this kid like shit because he has this thing in him. Maybe he'll yeah, let like it you out. don't bully the kid with the AK. Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, you, you don't that's bully just asking the, for it. Oh, hey, you know that thing that destroyed the village? Let's be mean to the kid that has it in him. Let's, you know. No, it's yeah. even worse because they thought he was that. It wasn't that it was just in him. They thought it was that. Oh my god. So, okay, I, it's, I guess, you can tell how long it's been since I read Naruto. So I guess Minato is related to the previous Hokage because one of them is Tsunade's uncle. Or no, 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 not Tsunade's. Um, Her grandpa. Yeah. And then, no, 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 that's what it was. Her uh, assistant friend, I can't remember. Tsunade fell in love with her uncle. That's what I'm thinking. So Tsunade's grandfather, like, it's a fuck. They're all tied to Naruto. Yes. You can trace Tsunade's grandfather, related. which was the tree jutsu guy. Then his brother, who was the water jutsu guy, became the second Hokage. The third was his son, who was the third Hokage, Sarutobi. And then his niece, who is Sanade, was the fourth Hokage. Or no, no, then Minato, who is his student, was the fourth yeah. Hokage. Then his niece was the four, uh, fifth Hokage. And then the sixth Hokage was Kakashi because they didn't have a sixth Hokage. And then, yeah. <laughs> technically, and then Donzo, Hokage technically, Donzo took over for a little bit, but that's like he's an unofficial that was like Hokage. A week. Yeah, 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 I know. Tech, I, we're being technical. I'm trying to be like, I gotta be, you know, I gotta give it to him. He's he was like five point. He was Hokage five point five. Right, right, right. He, he's in charge until we get a do guy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't like it when it's the it's um, Sp like I'll, I'll say it again. Spider Man, uh, no, uh, Into the Spider Verse did it great. Peter Parker didn't choose to get his powers, but he became, but he chose to become Spider Man. So, um, the main character, Zagan, he didn't choose to become, you know, this super powerful uh, sorcerer. He just needed to be one because if he didn't, he was going to die. Like, he was going to be sacrificed for a ritual slash spell for something, and his powers just happened to activate at that time. And his mm -hmm. unique uh, ability is uh, counter magic, basically. So, originally, he's a, they call him the, the Sorcerer Slayer because he has a way to take over other sorcerers' magic. And then as the series goes on, he learns other spells and stuff to uh, broaden his uh, skill set. So he only had the one skill that was pretty good. Other than that, you know, he had basic uh, sorcery to help him out. But if he didn't expand and learned more after he unlocked that first power, he probably wouldn't have gotten his ass kicked. So it's cool. Okay, I have the one power. I'm going to expand, do whatever. And then I find out, no, it turns out his parents were super powerful. I mean, spoilers. So 
Uh, it turns out his parents are other because he's a quote unquote demon lord candidate, and then he becomes one of the demon lords. So mm. it turns out both of his parents were demon lords. That's why he's powerful. And all I'm thinking is, guys, it makes it less interesting if you do that. Please stop. You know, it's cool. Yeah, like, I get the appeal because, like, in Japanese, like, historical stuff is always... Like, the idea of, like, a lineage is, like, really attractive to them. But if they just... If they're just like, yeah, no, his parents were normal and he became a legend, like, that was... That'd be sick. Like, that'd be so cool. Like, if Naruto I, never found out... Like, so Naruto's father being the fourth Hokage would have been fine if he was just, like, an average fourth Hokage, but he was, like, the best Hokage of all of the Hokages, right? If he was, like, a... If he was even just as half as good as the third Hokage, that would have been perfectly fine. It's like, oh, he's he's not better than the third Hokage, but he was a pretty good Hokage. But the fact that he was a Hokage makes this, like, an attractive goal for Naruto to live up to, but then he wants to be the best Hokage for his own reasons, and then he does that? That's so much more satisfying than than him being the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Like, that's... You know, oh, God, like, don't even crazy. get me started with the damn <laughs> reincarnation thing. Like, you, when people say history repeats itself, they're talking about ideas and idea, or they're talking about ideologies and the people that follow them you know, coming back, you know, in World War II, we had the crazy German guy. Currently, right now, we got a crazy Russian guy. So the ideas do come back. You know, history does repeat itself. But it's not literally, hey, the dude that died in World War II, he's not Russian now trying to do some stupid shit. You know, it, it's not literally repeating because it's the same guy, you know? So that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the difference between East and West. This entire fight, you know, oh, uh, Sasuke and Naruto, when they both die, then this fight's gonna happen again later with their descendants. Uh, which is kind of odd because, you know, if this, like, in the story, it's supposed to be like, oh, you know, these people fight at that uh, waterfall. Madara's still yeah, alive. Valley. Yeah, Madara's still alive. How did he reincarnate as Sasuke then? Yeah, well, okay, Madara. I did wonder that as well, because I I have to double check myself. It's like, was he like the whole, the spirit passing on? But yeah, no, that was, that was the thing. And he kept himself alive with some sort of like life thing, life jutsu that he got from Orochimaru. he didn't die, so therefore he can't reincarnate. You know, you need to like, I mean, obviously, you know, being revived is a thing in that universe, but he stayed alive the whole time. So if the whole reincarnation thing is true in that series, yeah, sure, you can keep having it. It's still dumb, uh, in my opinion. But if, you still have that. He needs to have died in order to reincarnate as, you know, Sasuke so they can have this, you know, this whole fight again. But then that don't work because he's still alive. I mean, it's still his, you know, clan and everything. So I guess you can kind of have it that. But then you still have it as Naruto is the reincarnation as the other guy. He has the, he has the six paths and everything. So it's like, ugh, ugh, guys. And it's right not every- even like... Oh, like God. what's even more to me is like okay so it was the sage of six pads and he had two sons and then those two sons went on to go and like reincarnate into naruto and sasuke right but then the sage of right. six pads has a brother who is the leader of the uyotsuki um who moved to the moon because he didn't agree with his brother who later become the hyuga for some reason because they forgot about the byakugan in the ocular chart like right <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Remember when Hinata was a very viable character who was like just way more superior in every way to every other main character because she mimicked Naruto's ideals but in her own like interests? Right? Like cause she she herself like was born into leadership and success and stuff like that. She very much had the exact opposite start to Naruto, but it showed that she had like similar problems to him. Right. And she respected him for the way that he overcame those problems. And so she modeled herself after him and her interests and things like that, which led her to get into that fight with Neji during the tuning exams, which left her basically hospitalized. And yeah, that's sad and everything like that. Um, But Naruto would have done the same shit. And that was like that made me fall in love with Hinata. Like, damn, like, bro. Oh, as opposed to nothing. Sakura and Ino who fought each other over who likes Sasuke more. Like, you know. Nah, bro, I'm gonna get on that dick. Nah, girl, I'm gonna get on that dick. Yeah, bro. It, I'm yeah, gonna, it, nah, was a, it was a fantastic fight between the two of them and stuff. Um, using, like, their brains and outsmarting each other and, like, knowing that they can't, like, out-use out jutsu on each other so they decide for fisticuffs and stuff. Like, that was a fantastic fight. The motivations? Absolute dog shit. No. He's not even a good <laughs> like, character. He's just an edge. This There's fails the Bechdel him. test. This oh fails the Bechdel test. <laughs> I, I, okay, I. To be fair, they do pass it because um, because the Bechdel test is only like, oh, do they have a better test? There was a better test going out there where um, they need to have a arc or a character arc in order to pass it instead, because the Bechdel test is just, do they have a conversation that's not centered around uh, the love interest slash a guy? And they do yeah. technically have that, so they can kind of pass the test, but I think the other test is more important, where do they have a character arc? And admittedly, Sakura does, and then it immediately gets like thrown out the door because he it still gets... hooks up with the guy that tried yes. to kill us. Well, not only that, but, like, her arc was completed in the forest of death. Like, when, when she was, like, uh, like oh, I'm tired of being cr- uh, crying and always wanting uh, these guys to save me and being useless and not involved and being a reactionary character, I want to become an action character. And then she is, while Naruto and Sasuke are incapacitated, and then she, like, yeah, she's, like, got people who save her and stuff like that, but they're just, like, people who like her and like her tenacity and wouldn't have saved her unless she was, like, who she is, right? right. So it's, like, it's character-related, so it's fine that she gets saved. Uh, plus, she was being badass up until that point. However, comma, she immediately follows up with crying all of the time and whining about how Naruto needs to help her save Sasuke because Sasuke's got a new curse mark that's making him be hospitalized. Now Naruto needs to fight Sasuke and then they also both almost kill each other as Sakura retains in the village and she goes to get Kakashi to solve the problem. Like, come on, Sakura. You just talked about this. Like, and then like she has that if, moment. If she never like acknowledged it, I don't think it would have been as much of a problem. She would have been a bad character, but she wouldn't have been a terrible character right but the fact that she was like no i need to stop sitting on my ass and get more involved and she did it twice she did it once in classic naruto in the forest of death and then she did it again when Nar- uh, when sasuke uh was part of talon and trying to come back to destroy the village and she wanted to stop him right and then she tried to trick him and have him killed but it was like that was her attempt and like and to get naruto out of being involved she like confessed to him and like bitch bitch uh. You go so far as to lower yourself to manipulation. Bitch! 
Oh my even, gosh. What was her name? Karin, I think her name was. Even yes. like, Karin moved on from him. It's like, damn, you left me for dead. Fuck this guy. It just leaves. Yes. Sensible woman. And it would have been so much better if they had like a complicated relationship and then Sarada ended up actually being her child. But then Sakura ended up taking care of her because she wants to be involved in Sasuke's life so much. That would have justified the entire length of her character arc to show that she's like this completely incapable human being who's just obsessed with this guy character that would have been such a unique character dynamic for her to exist with him and it's but flawed don't. Like it, it it is flawed and that's probably what i would enjoy the most about it is because it's kind of fucked up because she's already flawed as it is might as well just go yes. in just get, make it part of her don't make it she's flawed because the writing doesn't really she's doing one thing and then doing another thing that's bad writing flaws. If it's a character flaw, like what you're exp- uh, explaining right now, I would actually mm. say, you want to what? Go with that because at least then it's consistent with her character and not exactly. oh, I'm a bad writer. It justifies past choices that it would otherwise conflict with the character we thought she was, right? Also, um, it would give a reason for the Gaiden manga to exist because a subplot in the Gaiden manga was, oh, there's an experiment yes. and there's a lot of like, I don't remember what the fuck the, the, the there's all the Chiha clan or something. I don't remember what those things were. All I remember is, okay, so you have uh, Chocho, Chancho, I can't remember the uh, Choji's daughter. He's trying to figure yes. out, oh, man, I wonder who my dad is. And she only is tagging along with Sadara because she doesn't know who yeah, it's like It's is. a running joke because she's like, there's no way that my, like, my mom talks about how handsome and awesome my dad is. But my dad, who's taking care of me, isn't that guy. So clearly it's somebody else. And then she, like, bring, gets this idea in Sarada's head, like, hey, you know how you wear glasses, but neither of your parents do? I wonder who your dad is. And then Sarada's like, whoa, hold on a minute. Like... There's a fucking the gall to say like at the end where they 100% confirm because it's a bait like you're, this is a what a 12 chapter manga it's super short to tie between um the end of Naruto and the start of Boruto and it's a freaking bait and switch the whole time like you're just teasing and teasing and teasing it's like what, what you, like you have Karin literally say it's like what what do you mean no I'm the one that delivered her why would she be my no it, kid? it's worse than a bait and switch because one. This was a conver- the reason that the subplot exists in the manga is because this was a genuine question people had when they saw Serata's design, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was like a, a definitive answer to that by Masashi Kishimoto to say, no, she's not Karin's daughter, whatever. Um, but it goes further than that because the way that it's portrayed is to show or to say to the audience, how stupid could you be? Of course this isn't Karin's daughter. It could never be Karin's daughter. Sakura is made for Sasuke. Like, <sighs> thanks, asshole. Like, <laughs> d- d- let me have fun a little bit. Oh, my God. The fact that there's a, that scene at the end, where, like, like, where Karin has to literally say, like, to, like, uh, the other guy, I can't remember his name, the one of the seven samurai, or no, the, um, I'm trying to remember his freaking name. Yeah, uh, yeah, the water guy. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I think he talked to Sadara too at one point. It, again, I read this when it came out, so apologies if my information is a bit muttered because I'm literally going off of emotions that I felt when that came out. 
and she's talking to the water guy and it's like why did you why do you think or like i, I think he talked to her at some point too like sarada and he's like oh yeah, yeah he, he you talked know. to sarada for or sarada talked to him first because that's who he ran into he was trying to find karin she ran into him he asked them about karin's history with her father he told it like it was and then, like, he, uh, she introduced the idea to him, like, oh, maybe I'm Karin's daughter. And he'd be like, well, I don't think so, but it's possible because I wasn't with them 24-7. <laughs> right? So he's uh, like, it's then... plausible, but it's, pro- like, I, I don't think so, but it's it's plausible. And so she takes that as, like, almost definitive proof. This has to be true. And then she rolls in on Karin, you're my mother. And she's like, ha, you wish. Yeah. <laughs> And at the end of the at the, at the end of the damn freaking series, okay, that's why. Because she's talking to him, it's like, dude, I delivered her. I can't deliver my own child. And so he was like, least... I didn't know that. I wasn't there for it. Oh my god, that's guy. Oh, for fuck's sake, that... I can enjoy some fantasy stuff, but I gotta. Even with all these tags, I think the defining thing that'll bring them all together is you want to know what? At the end of the day. It's escapist fantasy, but for the love of Chinchin, make the damn characters worth it. Because, you know, the story itself can affect you in a way. I think what people really attach themselves to the most is the character. So this is a being like, oh, what tags do we like in a story? There is an unfortunately good character tag because, you know, quote unquote, that's subjective. But, you know, you can be objective on certain aspects of the there writing. is an object yeah there's an objective way to determine whether or not a character is good and it's whether or not a character has believable aspects or elements uh to that character right so there's always like a suspension of disbelief element where you have to believe that certain choices should be made under certain circumstances and the more obtuse that uh that choice is um the more relatable the character becomes and the more likable that character becomes because we like to like ourselves or people who remind us of ourselves. People who seem more human are generally more likable, right? And people who are less... That's why every, like, monster, evil villain person is, like, a horrendous, amorphous thing um, to try and scare you and freak you out because it's, like, the least human thing. Like, oh, it's an animal. There's no way you can communicate with it. Or you can get even deeper with it by giving it that kind of, like, per- that kind of, like, physical trait, but then making it human- human-like, like in Vecna for Stranger Things, right? Uh-huh. It's like, oh, he's human-like, but he's still, like, this amorphous, god-like kind of whatever monster thing, but, you know, it's like, oh, it's like, because you get that first, uh inclination like oh he's not like me he's different that's scary but then you'll like realize oh he is like me that's scarier because he's so different mm-hmm. um it's like the the was it the uh, uncanny valley aspect right right so but for characters and stuff like that um for people when they have relatable traits or they make choices that make sense to us like there's a way that we can justify it in our mind even if we don't agree with it like uh, Littlefinger would be a great example of this from Game of Thrones, right? He's a he's a villain through and through through the whole mm-hmm. season. There's not a choice that he makes that I think a single like righteous person would be like, yeah, no, I would definitely, uh, I agree with those choices that he made to get that outcome to manipulate this girl into loving him as a surrogate for her dead mother. You know, like that's fucked up. Uh, However, the choices he makes, understanding his motivations, you're like, I get it, right? Like, this is what he wants, 
this is how he chooses to get it. These are the choices he's making to that end. These are the sacrifices he aligns with and whatever. Now, the issue is, like, when those expectations are betrayed. You know, we talked, uh, I think, in a previous episode about, like, promises, whether or not you can keep or break promises. Uh, Characters are also very capable of that. So, like, in the case of Naruto, uh, the promise that was broken was the element of hard work and tenacity to uh, achieve your dreams, right? Naruto wanted nothing more than to be Hokage so he could be recognized as a good person because he's been treated like shit his entire life. But then, at the end of the story, it's uh, determined that Naruto had no say in that outcome. He was predestined to fulfill that role because that's the way the stars aligned it. Um, So it's like... It, it takes the autonomy out of it. It takes the choice out of it. It takes all of the meaning out of it. All of the choices that Naruto made don't mean anything because no matter what he had chosen, the gods would have determined he would become Hokage because no he agency. was born for that. Exactly. So it's like that That would be a case of like a broken character promise, right? Or in the case of Sakura had her broken promise wherein she's like, I'm going to become a more active character because historically I've only ever been the backup. I've always been on the sideline asking other people for help, always getting saved by somebody, you know, whatever. And that was very much true. She's like, I don't want that anymore. I'm going to become more of an active character. I'm going to be like Hinata and kick some ass. Uh, and then she doesn't do that. Like, at all. Can and, you believe there's a point where they're all saying, like, oh, I'm going to become Okage. I'm going to become Okage. That was stupid. And then Sakura out of nowhere is like, no, I will become Okage. And it's like, wait. It was, on, uh, I can, I it was Sasuke. Maybe, Sasuke said that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe I could see Sasuke because he finds out the truth. And it's like, okay, maybe I can kind of see it with Sasuke, but with I can't Sakura? because Hokage is an elected position. Mm-hmm. Hokage isn't like predetermined by whoever is the best ninja in the village. It's an elected position. And one yeah, of the qualifiers is being the best ninja in the village. <laughs> and he's basically a terrorist still at that point. Like that's why he can't yeah. be in the village as much anymore. Because he's like he's a, still a terrorist. Oh, well, like, he's not he's... in the village as much anymore because he feels like he needs to pay some sort of atonement for going against his like code or some shit. It, I don't know. It's stupid. Um Ultimately, he just plays a cool Black Ops role. He's just like cool guy Sasuke to the end, which he you know that's that's a character promise. He, yeah, because that's also an atonement. He's like, because he they gave him the offering, like, hey, do you want a hand? We're giving Naruto one, and he's like, no, I don't deserve it. I'm gonna fuck off. I'm gonna you know do the best I can to do all the things that the Hokage can't do, which is all this evil shit, underground espionage bullshit. Um, and Naruto's like, I mean, if you wanna, like, I'm not gonna make you, but that's what you're volunteering for. Right? Or like, whatever. I mean, hey, and then if you're literally everybody is like, Naruto, I don't necessarily agree with this. He did try to kill the village and stuff like that. And he was like, yeah, but he won't do it. He told me. I'm like, yeah, but he also told you he wouldn't try to kill you. And he did that twice. Like, it's, you know. <laughs> yeah, but he he's told you he was your best friend and he did nothing but fight you your whole life. Like, I don't get it. I was like, well, yeah, that's but the I way brothers his, are. But I, but I mm. kicked his ass at the at the waterfall then, and we both lost our arms. Totally good. And he's trading my kid. He's like a mentor to my kid now. So he can't kill me now, right? Yeah, but that wasn't by his choice. Like, Boruto wanted that. He was like, oh, I want to be a like, cool <laughs> Uncle Sasuke. Because I, uh, I want to... Like, which, 
that was also something that I thought was really interesting. So this is a unique kind of dilemma for the Naruto franchise because Boruto as a character is inherently flawed in a few critical ways. Um, being that he doesn't represent a strong ideal by anybody. Uh, he's pretty much an entirely apathetic character. He has no interest in anything. Uh, he has no real drive. He's just, he's a reactionary character in an action role, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is an inherent dilemma because historically all Naruto protagonists and major characters have all been actionary characters, save for Sakura. And I guess Hinata. Hinata is also a reactionary character. Um, Eno is as well. So all the females. All the females are reactionary characters. All the oh, males wow. are actionary yeah, characters. Okay, that was such a small list. And then you're like, wait, <laughs> let me think about it for like more than two seconds. Well, shit, I guess this list is now like eight times bigger now that I think about it. Jesus. <laughs> yes. Like, I had to think about this. Like, wait, who else is there? No? Yeah, all the females. So all the females are reactionary characters. All the males are actionary characters because Kishimoto is just like that. That's how he grew up. That's what he it understands. Is, it, 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 yeah, that's um, how, you know. This is but Borto's inherently flawed aspect because he'd be a great character in a different show um but it's unfortunate that he's yeah because yes because he is the most realistic character in boruto like out of all the boruto characters boruto is the only normal fucking person sarada is more like a traditional naruto character uh mizuki as well uh they're more like traditional naruto characters but boruto is just a kid he wants to play video games he wants to get his parents approval he wants to look after his sister and take care of her he wants to go you know hang out with his friends he wants to just do normal kid shit but he's being made to do ninja shit under the most successful ninja of all time right so it's very unfortunate of him to be in this position and he fights against it constantly just all of the time and that's why people hate him and i understand because like what you're expecting when you watch a naruto property is somebody fighting for friendship and justice as historically as jump goes right um you're expecting Power another friendship or another another uh, Natsu or another whoever. Um, but in Boruto, yeah, in Boruto's case, he's just like a guy, right? He's just a dude. He's Matsuda from Death Note. He's just a dude, <laughs> like, in this crazy fucked up world where he's got to react to all this crazy fucked up shit. Um, and in the movie, they do this uh, really, really, really well, in my opinion, where he starts out that way, but he becomes an actionary character because he finds motivation and meaning after having spent time with the legends he's heard about, right? It's being inspired by the things you love to do something great uh, in your own life, right? So that's essentially what the, the moral of the movie is. Uh, in the show and in the manga, very much less so. Um where it's just Boruto kind of reaction to the to the world being fucked up and weird. Yeah, you think it's what? I no, sorry. I think it's because you know they really drew it out because the movie got readapted in the anime. Like they like they the they did the same thing with uh, Dragon Ball Super two where they took the the content that was from the Battle of the Gods movie and just turned it into like a couple episodes. They turned it, you know, Bar. uh, I don't remember like what subtitle they gave. I think it was just Boruto or something for uh, the movie. And they turned that and developed more of the, you know, the moon people subplot. And because, you know, they're going with a different direction now, I think it's losing a lot. Because you're going to, right now, you're going to have people listening to what you're saying. And you're like, wait a minute, the show wasn't like that at all. And it's like, well, 
the movie did it better, you know, and, you know, unfortunately the show is going in a different direction. A lot of the cool things that, you know, Hero's mentioning is more in the movie, you know? So all the cool stuff and all this really interesting uh, bits and character dynamics and just character stuff is more in the movie and you're losing a lot of it in the show because now he needs to have this huge arc over X amount of episodes in order to really become that reactionary character mm. and starting off with, the that, with like character. This, yeah, with like a, it's huge flash forward, seeing him as an, uh, as an adult fighting uh, this other guy. And it's like, Oh, look what I've done to Naruto or whatever. And now you're next. And then uh, they take their time doing the manga. Like it's definitely a property that was created because they needed, you know, it's too popular to end it. You know, the TV yeah, station so... that ran it, you know, that's the most Naruto in its time slot. And I believe in that channel was the most watched show slash anime. I believe, I don't know if it was the show, but I know it was the highest, you know, rated anime on that slot in that channel. So they're not about to lose, you know, a franchise that's making them bank, you know, plus the merchandising and everything else. So it came about, you know, let's do the next generation. Let's do Boruto. So you have a monthly manga being matched with a weekly TV show. So that's a... That started at the exact same time while both were in production at the same time as the initial movie. So, yeah, this... It's it's wonky. It's really wonky and... Yeah, because essentially what you have, if you think about it as like a superhero comic situation, is where you have three char- three authors writing the same story... Um simultaneously but they're like they're they're writing three different versions of it right it's like oh we need a spider-man story where he uh you know where he saves gwen stacy in that fateful moment where he didn't originally right and you got three different interpretations of it you got like a frank miller version you got a michael bendis version and you got some other tertiary guy version right oh you know what this could be this could Mm. be uh three different writers and it's it's kind of similar so you so with you using your example we get we get the all right so we have three different movie studios doing a Spider-Man flick in production right now and each one of them gets a different Spider-Man we get the Tobey Maguire we get the Andrew Garfield and the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies being in production all at the same time and now you have three different ideas of what this character is basically yes so now, essentially speaking for Boruto yeah. you know they have Kishimoto guiding them a bit you know giving like he's, they're doing the super thing where he was very uh, hands off with it though yeah whereas you know Kish, uh with uh, Akira Toriyama he they gave him notes but they do have a Dragon Ball room now so they could do more Dragon Ball stuff without uh Akira, uh, Akira Toriyama you know they'll give him they'll give him some notes or he'll give them notes but you know that room is the one that's doing most of the stuff so the super manga and the super show slightly different but they still are you know you could see where they came from whereas yeah the manga and the show for boruto went in two really different directions even if the same content eventually gets covered they're still presented in very different contexts so uh, one thing is like oh uh, super saiyan god was used in the manga more often than or like super saiyan blue wasn't used until like really really dire things or or, how can i word this better super saiyan blue was led up to a lot easier and not just immediately uh popped out and then became the default form that he went to 
So they actually did use Super Saiyan God a couple more times and not just immediately get rid of that transformation for the stronger Super Saiyan Blue, like what happened in Super. Because, um, you know, Battle of Gods came out, boom, and then Resurrection F came out, and then, oh, now he needs a new, you know, I, I gotta pull a new hair color out of my ass, boom, now he's blue. So, you know, removing one transformation, basically, basically making one transformation, like, void, because now I got the blue one better, eh. Whereas with Boruto, you have actual, like, the, both the manga and the show, you have actual scenarios that are presented differently because they led to them at different points in the manga. Like how the show now has to heavily rely on the older cast because people are watching the show because they want the older cast. Like there was a like a time travel flashback arc where the Boruto cast met the Naruto cast in pre Shippuden, I believe. So those were like the highest rated episodes at the time. So it's like, oh gee, I wonder why people are watching this. And it's like, well, they want the characters that they like, but you know, they can like the new generation. I I do like a new generation story. I really do. You know, so, I mean, the whole, I got to live up to, you know, X-Mentor slash whatever, you know, that's going to be done, but it can be done really cool. And interestingly, you're always going to get it. I honestly don't like it as much, but you can, it can be done interestingly enough. But now you have these people that are watching this franchise. Like, well, I want the older guys now. All their stories are done now. Now it's their story. And like, well, I don't want to watch them anymore. Well, what do you do want? Well, I want the new guys. So then they get that arc, and now the original plan was to, you know, you know, move away from the Naruto cast and... But yeah, they can't help but marry themselves to it. So yeah, yeah. it's very much the case of, like, I think a clear example of this would be... Um, it's not ex as exact, but it's a lot closer than what we're talking about, was the recent Star Wars trilogy, right? The Skywalker oh, saga. Yeah. Uh, where you have the... I can't remember who the two directors were. It was... J.J. Um, Abrams and Ryan Johnson. Yes, J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson, who had two very different ideas on where the Star Wars universe should go and were essentially fighting each other's in cinematic form. Uh, with, it's, it's like the same thing in Borto that's happening, where you have like different ideas on how Borto should be handled and where it should go and how it should relate to the original series, but nobody wants to step on each other's toes. And so you end up with vastly different stories where uh, because the manga is monthly uh, and it's going in a specific direction with Kishimoto's direct input, and then um, it's also written by the guy who did the Borto movie, I think, or no, no, it's written by a third guy. Um, and then you have the anime, which is weekly, which has to be produced by other completely different people who start earlier than the manga so that by the time that they get to the years that they that the manga happens, they can, you know, it buys them enough time or whatever. It's a whole complicated thing. It was a terrible plan from the onset. It was only destined for failure. And that's why you have a disastrous project that nobody really likes and three different versions of it. And I absolutely like the original Boruto movie because it, to me, represented and felt the most like what classic Naruto was about, which was the hard work and blazing your own trail, right? earning that respect on your own, not relying on nepotism or anything like that, right? It's like setting your own individuality, very American ideals, and representing friendship and justice. Um, yeah, because um, I understand that apparently respect is supposed to be, you know, given to the elderly and stuff. Like, the, the idea, like, how respect is earned and given 
is somewhat different to my understanding, you know, culturally. Like over there, you have to give it to like the elders and your superiors and so on and so forth. Whereas over here, listen, bro, if you're treating me like a dick, fuck you. You know, over here, you have to give respect to earn respect. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'll listen. Like, if you're my boss, I'll listen to you and, you know, do what you say. But, you know, there might be this, you know, uh, this tense feeling between the two because it's clear that these two people don't really like each other. Which, luckily, I haven't had to deal with that situation. A lot. I actually really enjoy, like, my bosses. Like, my boss uh, at my current job, he's, you know, stuck his neck out for me a lot. And I heavily respect him for it. And he understands that, you know, sometimes I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna fuck up and I'm gonna do some of this and I'm gonna do some of that, but he's gonna, you know, give me a, you know, uh, kick in the ass in the right direction and, you know, push me to do something. I heavily respect that for him. And he's probably not even gonna be around when I finish my apprenticeship. So I'm gonna have two bosses that I've gone through. Both of them might not see me finish my apprenticeship, and yet they're both trying their best in order to make sure that I complete it and continue to do the, what I can. Like that's that's earned my respect, you know. They um, during the no no times, um, he was trying to get everyone back. Like he was trying to get the whole maintenance team back. He only kept, you know, because they tell him like, hey, we can only keep two people, max, including you. So, or uh, not including you, because you know someone needs to run the department. So he, you know, he gets um, uh, two guys. So obviously he's gonna get the most senior staff out of all of us because he you know they're not going to get rid of the guy that you know knows the most about the machines and then uh another apprentice of uh apprentice friend of mine and then i was the only one i believe that was technically furloughed no wait no uh another apprentice of mine was uh, another apprentice that i was with also got furloughed so two of us got furloughed the other guys eventually slowly came back they got like a two-day break which is basically you know the weekend to see if they're going to bring it back or not so they were able to get back you know most of the team but two of us my boss was able to – it took a bit. You know, three weeks in, he um, called me again. He's like, hey, um, would you want to come back into work? Uh, I forget what he was asking me. But basically, he was able to get me back into work because you need to sanitize everything, basically. So what ends up happening is, you know, I come in with a spray bottle and I clean different surfaces and yada yada. So he was able to get me back at my pay that I was at during the maintenance team. Most people during the no-no times, they would, you know, hire you as basically like a janitor or something and drop your pay while you're doing that gig. They He was able to get me back at the same level of pay I was at. Like, to this day, I'm going to forever, you know, be grateful for that and, be, and respect him for it. Whereas over there, you know, you got like, you know, OG-san being a bit of a dick, but no, you got to respect him because he's your elderly and whatever and he's wise and whatever. I, was like, I, mean, I don't care if he's wise, he's being a dick. Fuck that, he's old, you know? Treat me like a fucking person. At least give me a, like an ounce of respect and I'll give it right back. And in the movie, you know, Boruto did fuck up. In the movie, he's made his mistakes. He learns from them. He you know, achieves greatness throughout the end of the movie. And there's a really cool scene where, you know, he's wearing Naruto's old, you know, orange jumpsuit or orange jacket. And he does the Rasengan and it's super huge and they beat the bad guy. Well, yeah, it was like, it's a major moment because it's like, it's him recognizing the hard work that his dad put in. Because he thinks his dad was like lucky and got it off easy and whatever. And he's constantly compared to him and he doesn't know what he's got to do to live up to this kind of thing. And Sasuke tells it to him straight. He's like, you just got to work hard, bro. Like if you want to be somebody, an individual, Naruto wanted the same thing. And he got that shit by working his ass off. You just got to do that too. 
And Bartos like, I don't really get it. But then he sees like the evidence of this, right? In in mm-hmm. the jacket, in the photos, in the uh, when he goes to see him actually do combat with Sasuke and stuff like that. He's like, I get it. Like that's that's what it means to be successful. That's what it means to be a man. That's what it means to be a ninja is to work hard for the things that you believe in and show results, uh, which is what like that was like the whole movie is him trying to do things the easy way to avoid conflict to, uh, you know, to just skip ahead uh, and he not do the that work. New like technology thing to use jutsu without him needing to learn the jutsu. Exactly. Like you know, cut button. corners and all this other stuff, but yeah. he's like, no, there, there's a, there's meaning and purpose in doing things the hard way sometimes, and it just took like just a couple of him getting beat over the head a couple of times for him to recognize that, but he does by the end of the movie recognize that. And one thing I absolutely appreciate is like at the end of the movie they're like, oh, so do you want to be Hokage now? And he's like, nah, that's your bit. I'm not interested in being Hokage but maybe I'll be like the second in command, you know, showing was like, well, you know, maybe I'll yeah. be like Sasuke and then Serata can be like Naruto who she looks up to. Yeah. So, oh man, talked a bit. And uh, just to throw that out there, that scene with the birthday cake, bruh, nah, come on, man. You that. Listen, that broke my fucking heart, bro. When that I saw was that shit, bullshit. I was like, that was no bullshit. way. Not. I'm getting like triggered right now. Just remembering that you did not just do that to your kid. That was classic worst father thing. Oh my god. But I think that was like the the Japanese example of like the father being on call. Like he comes back to the birthday, gets a call, has to leave, right? Like right. the amount of heartbreak that you feel there. And they're like, you know, because Borto's like, oh, maybe my dad's not a, this huge asshole who never pays attention to his family. And Naruto gives the worst reasons. Worst reasons why he is the way he is. Right? First of all, Naruto is breaking number one character rule. He's not following his history, right? He doesn't yeah. make choices that reflect his ideal character, which is somebody who keeps a close-knit family and protects them with everything that he's got. Instead, the he's like, everybody he go, in my village is my family. He went so far just to try and get Sasuke back for the longest time. Like, he, that kept like but that kept coming up so often in the damn uh, comic, where it's like, no, you know, if, what am I, how am I supposed to, you know, protect a whole village if I can't even protect my one friend? The same guy that's going above and beyond just to get Sasuke back is yeah missing. one person, one rug ninja. One. Meanwhile, this guy is trying to kill every single other person in the village. <laughs> like, and, and then he's like, "No, he... everybody in the village is my family, so I don't have time to look after my own son because <laughs> I'm busy watching over everybody else's sons." Like, ah, oh, god, that's. He even goes so far in the Borto manga, he even goes so far as to adopt another person who is a fugitive. Yes, he. So that guy that we do the flash forward with, that guy. uh, Yeah, Kawaki. He is a fugitive uh, who tried to kill Naruto as uh, I guess like as a tactic to convert him or whatever. Naruto shows him Uh kindness. But part of this is by adopting him into his family. So he becomes Boruto's essentially adopted brother. And uh, he just kind of gets, like, the brotherly treatment the whole time. 
It's like, all right, Kwaki, oh, wow. now I need you to sit down with the family and say your prayer with us and have dinner and blah, blah, blah. And it's like up to Kwaki to lower his his shell. And everybody's like, I don't know, this guy's kind of like a mass murderer assassin type. Like, <laughs> and Naruto's like, it's fine, it's fine. Uh, I've adopted him. He's great. You know, we're going to be father and son now. And Boruto, understandably, is like, I, I don't like this. Like, at all. Like, you didn't consult anybody. Hinata is just kind of confused and rolls with it. Like, it's wild. I don't know. Hinata's not going to give her opinion. She's the fucking trophy wife. It's, it's like, oh, you know. No, yeah, she's, she's quiet, Hinata. fully devoted, and yeah. Oh, uh, But yeah, it's uh, it's a whole thing. I, I really... I, it represents a lot of the classic values and stuff that were in old Naruto that I really, really like. But I should probably wrap this up, huh? Yeah, we'll see what's up. Oh, man. <laughs> All in all, I think uh, that uh, hopefully it's given a di- general idea of like the type of stories that we like, and you know, the spe- I guess not uh, that many tags, but you guys can get a general feel and vibe for you know what we as create like uh, both Hero and I as creators are trying to do. I kind of uh, spoiled it a bit. Uh, the short story that I'm trying to work on is uh, my character Icket, fantasy mad scientist type deal. So I'm working on her gonna see uh i'm getting a list of uh, i'm still getting that list because i caught a bug earlier this week so i woke up on like tuesday with cotton mouth felt like shit on wednesday um thursday i got up and i'm like ah oh, fuck do, do i have enough in me to go donate plasma i went to go anyway because i'm broke so obviously i'm gonna go donate plasma anyway and uh friday i finally felt okay ish but still felt like shit so it took like i've been taking medicine all week and then i woke up on Saturday, I didn't even come into work on Saturday. I usually take like a, a Saturday shift. I couldn't. I was still like very out of it. So I take my meds. I'm still good. I go down my plasma I, I'm late to my appointment because, you know, I got like, I slept in, took more meds, uh, relaxed, and then uh, I edited some stuff. And by the time I'm like, oh shit, when did it become six in the morning? Uh, I gotta, there's an episode I gotta record in like X amount of hours. Jesus. So knock out. And wake back up, and I'm like, oh, God, I feel like I'm feeling better. But I'm still feeling a little awkward. But let's just oh, see yeah. this. We got this. Uh, so I'll get that list going, and when uh, the short stories were ready to launch, and I've, yeah, I've done at least you know two or three revisions and gave it to the beta readers and all this other stuff, I'll, uh, I'll feed it to the – I'll throw it into the wind, and uh, let's see how bad I get roasted. <laughs> Yeah, man. Nothing's uh, 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 nothing's more savage than uh, your audience when uh, you ask them, it's like, "All right, guys, roast me," and then uh, you come back feeling like super defeated. It's like, "God damn, do I even want to keep doing this anymore?" I don't know if uh, oh man, <laughs> I'm scared. I'm worried, but you know, hey guys, just jump in and go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Any closing words, hero? Uh. No, be good. Be good to your people. Be good to your characters, specifically. Um, make sure that they are based on people that you know and act like people that you know. Even if they're not, like, directly, like, one for one. Like, never... Don't write your friends into your comic. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Right? In, or into your story or whatever that you're working. Don't write your friends into it, but write people who are inspired by your friends. And sometimes make the same and sometimes different choices. It just got to be realistic. And that's all people ask for is just have it be realistic. Have it be believable. <laughs> you know what I just the time this in, you know, what I just found as I'm uh, as someone sent me a DM. Hmm. 
here's a meme. So you uh to bring kind of bring it back to Naruto. So obviously Kawaki's being a bit of a dick and so on and so forth and whatever uh during his entire arc and then eventually we know how that ends up. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh Orochimaru gets away with everything, right? You know, all, all he gets is surveillance for all the war crimes that he's committed. And then Sasuke kind of gets forgiven for the stuff that uh he did and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh here's the thing. Here's the meme. Should you forgive this fictional character's evil deeds? And here's how you... Because it's one of those like charts that that's a yes or no chart. Mm-hmm. Should you forgive this fictional character's evil deeds? The question is, are they sexy? Yes. <laughs> All is forgiven. Are they sexy? <laughs> no. How fucking dare they? <laughs> that's, that's true I that's can, a fact i can forgive them you all know what um uh nemesis from two love rue you all know what yeah the part of the personality i can kind of like eh but hey you remember that scene in the damn bath when she grows and it's like oh shit you can uh you're a shape changer aren't you mm. uh, uh let's see where this goes and there's a uh <laughs> there's a scene in uh like a little uh fork coma in the darkness manga where they're like, Oh geez, I wonder how this, uh, how this culture is. And she goes into a maid cafe and like, hello, master, yada, yada, master, this master, that yada, yada. And she's like, this is a good culture. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She goes into a fucking maid cafe and it's just a four comas. It's like, this is good culture. It's just, <laughs> Oh man. Nemesis. I can give or take. So, uh, it's, Oh God. <laughs> I love this meme so much. It's so good. Oh, man. See you, peeps. You guys see you all. Have a good one.